Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're uh, enjoying the best week of the D3 year. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome in. It is the 24th of February, Thursday, as we get closer and closer to the end of the regular season. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. You can also join us on... Um, YouTube, youtube.com slash hoop. So we're on Instagram, though. I, I do apologize. We have not been doing a great job of, of staying up with that all that well. Um, we will try and do a, a better effort moving forward for sure. Um, just kind of tweaked up how we tease the show, and it kind of took a little bit of the play out of uh, what we normally do. But we'll get back to it. But Instagram, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville as well. Of course, you can always email us, Hoopsville, email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports. Dot com. Um, and speaking of social media, typing that out now, getting those those things sent out. Um, so well, where do we start? There's so much to talk about. First off, um, breaking news, kind of, not really breaking news. Maybe the one of the best, worst kept, sep, worst kept secrets in upstate New York. Just tweeted out less than an hour ago. After we put it all together, after several weeks of hearing about it, Utica is apparently looking at going D uh, D two. It is uh, in a few notes that we were able to find after hearing some scuttlebutt. Um, looks like it's an ice hockey and football push. And remember, ice hockey there is no D two conference, there is no D two championship. So for ice hockey, they would jump to D one. Um, but with basketball and the like, um, they would be D2. Apparently football is also pushing this a little bit. I'm not a fan. We can certainly talk about that more later in the show if we need to, but, uh, I don't get it, especially in this financial world. Um, I don't think it makes much sense. Uh, 2025 looming. I don't think it makes much sense. I don't think the move by Duville is going to make much sense. And so Utica should follow that. Um, I, I just don't I don't see it. But maybe I'm just a little too naive or biased about Division Two. But we'll see how it plays out. But apparently they're looking into it. Really, as they could apply at this point, because we missed the deadlines, would be next year. So next January or so, I think, is the deadline to apply to D2 to get that ball rolling and then to be accepted. Uh, but last we checked, they had not applied. Now, granted, it doesn't mean they didn't. We just missed it. But we'll keep an eye on it. Um, interesting enough, we will have Sean Coffey, Utica's men's basketball coach on the show. Just total irony. Um, kind of, we're putting things together. Utica was actually a late add to this show unrelated to the news we were doing because we needed to find another guest. We have a jam packed show. We'll talk about that just in a little bit more in a little minute. If you, if you notice, I'm looking a little stiff reaching for my neck. I slept on my neck wrong, apparently, and it's bugging me. So we'll try and not let that bother us. Um, but there you go. So regional rankings are out. Took the Turner people uh, on NCA.com forever to put them up on the men's side. Women apparently had a much longer call or they started later. I'm not really sure all those details. But they got on the website maybe an hour, hour and a half after the women got done with their call. From what I'm hearing, the men, they got up on the website about three and a half, maybe four hours after they ended their call. Uh, I said this on Twitter. I'll say it often now. I think it's time D3 took some of its content off of NCA.com 
and put it on NCA.org where they have more control of it. I don't see a region we reason reason we need regional rankings on .com. So we could easily do it on .org and control it better, do it faster. Can those people in Indy can put it up on the website quicker versus sending it to the people in Turner who will sit around doing other things before realizing they need to get on that. Just my two cents. We'll see where it plays out. But uh, they are up. They are certainly worth diving into. These, of course, rankings will be used to set up week three's rankings. They will then initially be set up to set up the final rankings before they are then pushed aside for the week three and final rankings to set up the absolute final rankings, if you didn't follow that. Remember, results versus regionally ranked opponents you used the previous two weeks for. So, for example, we've got week this, this week's regional rankings use the alphabetical order and this past week's rankings to set up um, to use the results versus regionally ranked data. The final rankings that are done by the RAC committees and thus the National Committee on Sunday th- this weekend will use week two and this week's rankings. Then at the very end, when the National Committee will re-rank one more time with updated data, they will use week three and the final rankings data points to put that together. And that will be res- that will be their final rankings as they go to select on Sunday at large selections. So if you're not following that all, we'll certainly have more about all of that on Sunday. But we can find more information on d3hoops.com and on the regional ranking pages, we have links to all the fast facts, as it were, on information you need about that. Uh, we have FAQ about it, basically. So that's how that will all work. Um, there's a lot to, to parse through. There's uh, several people who are doing their you know prognostications. I think it's very hard, and I've tried it in the past, to prognosticate at this point because there are so many games to be played this weekend that are going to have a monster impact on things. You can certainly prognosticate who is definitely needing an AQ. That that one's probably the easiest. Those who are on the bubble or those who are close are very difficult to hash out because where that line of demarcation is going to be based on how many upsets are going to be is huge. So far, not a ton of upsets have happened. We of course have the conference trackers on the website to keep things uh, to keep paying attention on things. So, um, I'm trying to find them myself. Here we go. Uh, we do have those conference trackers, and they have plenty of good information. And we and you know, looking for upsets that affect at large bids. So far, there haven't been a ton. I'm not saying there aren't any, certainly, but there haven't been a ton of them. And so we're keeping an eye out to see where that might play out. Um. But really, starting Friday is where we're going to get a lot of those. Even tonight, and we'll look around at the, at the scores tonight on Thursday if you're watching us live. But really, Friday is where a lot of these are going to kick in. Um, but for example, in the GNAC, you know, St. Joseph's of Connecticut got past St. Joseph's of Maine perfectly fine on Wednesday night by 50 points. But let's just say they had they had lost there. That likely would have popped a, a, a bubble somewhere. Um. But otherwise, it's it's somewhat standard. You know, it's been quiet. Um, some interesting news, though. Drew went on a 
run to finish the game against Catholic in men's basketball in the semifinals or uh, semis, yeah, um, of the Cath of the landmark tournament, used a twenty-one to zero run to climb back and beat Catholic by two, including a steal in the closing seconds and an and one to get the victory. They will now take on Susquehanna. Um, of note, Landmark men did not feature Scranton this year. Uh, Susquehanna defeated Juniata and Drew defeated Catholic. Again, 21-0 run to finish that game and beat Catholic. They were win- Catholic was winning by 19 in the end of that game. Unbelievable. Uh, so anyway, lots to track on the men's and women's side. We'll keep an eye on it. If you've got questions for us, listen, we'll do our best to answer them. I can't promise you I've got the dead right answers tonight. Sunday's the show you really want to tune in for, as we'll have a lot to talk about on Sunday. I, I was hoping by today to have a start time for that show. We don't. Traditionally, we have started at 6 p.m. for our, our mock selections we could start as early as five. I need to talk to our selection crews and figure out timing and such. Five o'clock allows us to give a little bit due diligence to the women because we will start with the women before going to the men. And then on the men's side, we'll have time without getting too late. So that's kind of where our thinking is. Maybe starting as early as five o'clock on those selections. Then on Monday, men's bracket will be announced on nca.com and we'll have the links and, and all that on d3hoops.com that will be announced at 12 30 p.m eastern time the women will be announced at 2 30 p.m eastern time those two bracket shows 12 30 for the men p.m eastern 2 30 for the women that's monday and then that night at seven o'clock we'll be back on the air with our breakdown show um So that's an interesting tactic there. Uh, not tactic, I'm sorry. Uh, that's just pertinent information for you. Um, I will be on that show along with Brendan Gulick doing the, uh, all the heavy lifting of announcing all those teams. And then again, 7 o'clock Eastern, we will have a breakdown of those and talk to the committee chairs. We'll also hear from the committee chairs, we hope, ahead of Sunday's show. Uh, just trying to find a time where we can record with them without interfering with all the work that they are doing and other things as well. Um, anyway, let's see here. Um, trying to think what else is going on. There's so much moving parts. Um, obviously the, the, we've got lots of upsets potentially this weekend that are going to pop some bids. So if you're, you're on a bubble, you're going to want to sit there hoping and praying, um, that you're able to. Um, find a way to get into the tournament without worrying about at, uh, at-large bids. By the way, if you try and tune in, there we go. Just started up our YouTube stream. I apologize for those who are late to that. Uh, for whatever reason, it wasn't giving us an option to start, and I just noticed. But we are up and running on the YouTube side. Apologize for that tardiness, but on the, on the Facebook side, we're up and running. So let's talk about the guests we have on tonight's show. We have a jam-packed show, lots of guests. We're going to be talking in a few minutes here with Hood Men's basketball coach Chad, Chad Dickman. Uh, they are off and running in the Commonwealth Commons, the MAC Commonwealth, that is, and have lots to uh, handle there. Um, 
That's an interesting race. Eastern on the other side of uh, of that Commonwealth. It's a one bid league, but it's 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 a doozy of a league. So we'll talk to Chad about Hood, who's quietly come on and, and rose to the top of that conference. Then we'll head out to upstate New York. Utica men's basketball coach Sean, Sean Coffey will join us. They're head and shoulders on top of the Empire 8 right now, but again in a situation where they got to win or they're done. Then we'll go to the Michi- Michigan, Minnesota, talk to St. John's men's basketball coach Pat McKenzie. Um, you know, the Mayak race is certainly an interesting one. We'll see if he feels that they need to win to get in, but more importantly, what their season's been because they've been a little bit under the radar. We'll switch gears, talk women's basketball, go back to upstate New York. We'll talk to J.C. Brooks from SUNY Cortland about her program and the Dragons and how they're doing in conference. Then we'll head to uh, Penn State Barron. We tried to talk to Christine Van Hook last week. We will talk to her this week. Wonderful conversation with her. Um, And we even talked about all her foster care, which was a fascinating story. Uh, then we'll talk Oberlin women's basketball with Stephanie Dunmeyer and the NCAC, their effort in what is hands down one of the best seasons Oberlin has ever had in, in, in Dunmeyer's technically second season on the helm. We'll talk to her about the, the Yale men, women, Yale, Yale women, I think is how I say that right. Squirrels. We'll just call them squirrels. Um, great conversation with her. And then we'll head out to the West Coast. Todd Kent from UC Santa Cruz joins us. They are hosting the C2C Championship Weekend this weekend. Games start tonight. They are not playing tonight. We'll talk to him about the experience of being out in Santa Cruz and whatnot. So that's all that is ahead. Again, answer your questions. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. You can also join us um, on YouTube. We've finally got that stream up and running. YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. And with that, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get going with our interviews. Hood Men's Basketball joins us to talk about their program and what is working so well for the Blazers. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. From the NABC Studios, thanks to our partners at Blue Frame Technology and the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. And an early thank you to Jersey Genius and Sports Sense for coming on board. We'll talk plenty more about them. we got some new jerseys in hand. We've got them ready to hang up. We'll talk all about that later in the program and what you might see differently on Sunday. You're listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. To those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division Three level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Welcome back to Hoopsville. We're back on the air. I caught our next guest off guard. I forgot to warn him I was coming back on air, but he timed it well. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville, d3sports.com. Lots of ways to chat with us. We hope you'll take advantage of them. Certainly lots to talk about in Division Three, and that's why we've slam-jammed this show together. Um, and we aren't going to waste much time as we're going to get right to it and keep talking D3 basketball. If you head out to the MAC Commonwealth Tournament, it's always a doozy, as always. Uh, and what was it? Last night, um, I, let's just, oh yeah, it's right here in front of me. Uh, Lev Val, as we mentioned back on our on the Monday show, ups, uh, defeated New York, you could say upset him. They had the honor then of playing Eastern. Hood, in the meantime, took on Albright and got the win 82-79. They move on to the semifinals, which are Friday in a much larger Mac Commonwealth tournament than usual. They will take on Widener, who upset Alvernia 98-80 in the, in the quarters. And then on the other side, it's Messiah versus Eastern. Really interesting matchup. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk all about it is the head coach of the Blazers out in Frederick, Maryland, it, where, where they get the, the weather a little bit sooner than I do. Coming from the West is Chad Dickman. Coach, good to see you. How are you, sir? I'm good. Good to see you. Appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. Appreciate you finding the time. Um, when we look at the conference as a whole, you guys, I, I feel like you quietly came on because Eastern certainly got a lot of attention. I remember talking to them earlier this season, uh, and they were playing pretty well. And it felt, and maybe I missed it, but it felt like, you know, good start, but you had a middle there, which kind of stumbled. And I think I, you know, a lot of people maybe didn't think you guys would come storming on, but it, as things closed, you ended up on top of the conference by percentage points. You had a half game lead on Eastern, which is part of the reason everybody was invited to the tournament this year. How was the season though, from your perspective? Um, it's been good, Dave. I mean, we've had, uh, just like everyone else, that little little COVID problem. Uh, we we hit ours in November, so that uh, late November, so that was better than hitting it, you know, in late January probably. But um, you know, we we we've played pretty well throughout the season. We we started the season um, playing games probably too early. Like we we had ten practices, and we went to play George Washington <laughs> on the road. Then we uh, had a couple more practices and played uh, in our tip-off tournament we had Wilson and then Randolph Bacon um so uh we I think we kind of rounded into form sometime in 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 early January after the new year uh we went up to the sales and took two uh, tough losses in their uh holiday tournament um and since then um you know in 2022 I think the only team that's beaten us is Eastern um so we've been pretty consistent um 
you know, I think we finished, we finished 14 and two in the conference. And I think the, the conference from top to bottom is, is a really strong conference when you're talking about, you know, the, the teams that were in eighth and ninth place are pretty good teams. Um, so to get through there at 14 and two, I, I was, I was happy with that. I was proud of uh, the, the way that our guys kind of came together. And, uh, you know, I think we're playing really well right now. Yeah, I, I said it on the last show, and I've said it many times. The MAC Commonwealth is is definitely one of the deeper, more competitive conferences. It may not have the top dogs necessarily in a national sense, but from top to bottom, you're going to get a battle. And I said it the last show because I'd seen Albright Stevenson game, and that thing was an absolute battle. Um, but it's true year in and year out. It's it's a tough conference, which probably is why a lot of the national side of things don't come out because you guys kind of beat each other up a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've always said, I mean, especially this year, like I I think our conference is really overlooked. Um, our conference our conference teams always do well out of conference. I I was looking the other day, and I don't think anyone in our conference had a losing record out out of the con outside the conference. So it's oh, amazing. Um, and it wasn't like they were playing, you know, cupcakes either. They they were playing ranked teams, and um, you know, some of them were be were beating ranked teams, and so, um, I mean, that, that's what I mean, like you got to be ready to play every single night and, you know, uh, to, to, to be 14 and two, um, you know, that, that's a, a testament to our guys just being focused and, and, and not allowing, you know, any games to just be taken for granted. They, you know, they, they come every night and, and, and they're ready for battle. And that's what you got to do in this conference. Well, and just looking at the, at the brief history, uh, last time you even had 18 wins, which you have now at 18 and six, you were 18 and 11, uh, in your second season in the MAC Commonwealth and finished 10 and 8. And the last time you had just two losses in conference play, I, I can't find in recent history. The best I can find is 12 and 4 in the CAC. That was that awesome team that went 21 and 8 back in 20, 2006, 2007. So in some ways, you're, you're really kind of breaking through a little bit with a Blazers team that I feel like pre pandemic, you had a couple of teams there we all kind of had higher expectations for. Seems like you maybe found, found, those expectations a little bit on the backside. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, uh, it's just one of those things where the, the season was so crazy. I mean, you have guys, you know, you're, you're playing some teams, you don't know what, you don't know who they're going to have until they show up for warmups. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of the nature of the beast with COVID. Um, and, you know, some good teams in our conference lost a couple guys along the way. Um, and, you know, it's it's really paid to have uh, a lot of depth uh, throughout the year. And we're very deep. Um, so that's that's been a uh, an asset for us. But um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a situation where we're we're kind of uh, that is the best conference record we've ever had um, at, at Hood. Um, so, you know, out of conference, we we really try to challenge our, our guys out of conference and. Um, you know, our, I think our strength of schedule speaks for itself. I think we're the second, second toughest strength of schedule in the region last time I checked. Um, so we, we were going to challenge them. And I, I think that really helped us uh, kind of get through the grind of the, uh, uh, the conference schedule. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're excited. We, we had two games we didn't even get to play. We, I mean, we've, you know, usually you're playing 25 games. We only had a chance to um, play 23. So I believe we're, I think we're 17 and six. Yeah, the, no, yeah. No, you're, no, you're right. The playoff game. Yeah, yeah got the playoff game in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was so, trying to give you some extra credit. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it could be a 21 team if we had those two extra two extra games. And Yeah. Uh, but, you know, our, our, our biggest goal was just obviously 
uh, trying to win the conference and make the NCAA tournament. Well, win two more and you will be 20 win team and you'll be in the NCAA tournament automatically. Um, You're sitting fifth in the region. We'll talk a little more about the team in a minute, but sitting fifth in the region, um, not sure what to make of it. You guys are behind Swarthmore, Eastern, Johns Hopkins, and Susquehanna, all with really strong resumes. There's a chance, you know, with a two and one record to boost it up to a 19 and seven mark that, and with a good SOS, you're sitting there maybe with a chance to get in as an at large. I realize you, that's not what you're telling the team. You're probably telling them we got to go win the whole thing. But do you feel like you've got maybe somewhere to bounce back if you can't get that Commonwealth title? You know, I would hope. Um, I think we've, as far as, you know, from a scheduling standpoint, I think we've tried to do everything we could uh, to make sure that wasn't our downfall. I think, you know, going through the conference and with such a good record, I think uh, that kind of, uh, and again, I, I, I keep going back, like it, it's really tough to win 14 games in this conference. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't have any dog in the fight, Dave. I think we should be in regardless, but uh, the bottom line is, you know, we can't leave any any chance at this point. Um, you know, we we know we got to probably uh, uh, win the conference one at least to be comfortable um, uh, with that bid because um, I feel like every single day on Twitter there's different uh, guys doing their mock project- projections and like two games ago we were in we were like safely in and then we won two more games and now we're like outside the bubble. So yeah, I think some of them are just shooting from the hip. Right, let's just be honest. <laughs> who knows who knows but but yeah i mean I, I would really hope that i mean these guys deserve it they this is uh we got an older team i mean the wang twins uh are, are seniors it'd be great for them to get a chance to experience their first ncaa tournament um and you know i think we're just a, a kind of a unique team that could cause some problems if we could get into the tournament just because of how different we play and um you know that, that that would be awesome if we could uh but like you said we're we're ready to do everything possible to try to just take care of it and get the guaranteed uh, uh, bid for, with the automatic. Sure. No, it makes sense. T- let's talk about the team uh, a little bit on an individual perspective. You talk about the Wang twins. <laughs> Interestingly enough, they uh, they are leading your team in scoring. I, funny thing is they're not scoring the same amount of points, so I'm not sure they're actually twins. I, I, I'd rather see a twin set where they're both scoring the same amount of points because then I truly believe they're twins. Uh, <laughs> Mason's leading the team 22.3 points a game. Uh, Evan second at 14 points a game. They both pulled out about five rebounds a game. So there we go. We're, we're getting closer to that. By the way, assist numbers pretty much identical as well, which is wacky. Mason 86, uh, Evan with 87. Uh, turnovers, uh, Mason eh, loses it a little bit more often, but he gets it back more often because he gets more steals than than Evan. Just just talk to me about those two because I've watched a few games and admittedly, thank God there's numbers because I'm not going to figure them out otherwise. Yeah, I mean... I think maybe the scoring average may be the only difference between those two. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, GPAs exactly the same, which, you know, that's all I'll say about that. Who, who knows how that works, but uh, <laughs> I mean, like the, we do like weightlifting tests, exactly the same as weightlifting, lifting tests, same height, same weight, you know, uh, different, little, little different personalities, surprisingly. Okay. Um, not, not real different, but, um, but yeah, I mean, those, those two, you know, they're, you, you rarely see one without the other one. Um, and, uh, and they've just been, you know, awesome for us. I mean, they, they've been like the uh, prototypical, uh, you know, D3 player that you want to come to your program program and kind of, kind of take you to that next level. 
they've just been uh, great in every sense of the word. And, you know, like I said, it, it would be great to kind of, you know, have their uh, little swan song with the trip to the NCAA tournament. I'm curious on a recruiting scenario, it, because I've seen this happen a couple of different ways. Sometimes twins go their ep- opposite directions and even identical. They'll go to different institutions and some of them will stay together. Is it one of those where you're recruiting both? You're recruiting kind of one because they're both got the same mentality. They already made the decision that they're both going to go to the same school and play together. How do, how does that play out? At least with the Wang twins. Yeah. I mean, they, so we wouldn't take them definitely both. Uh, you know, sometimes it's kind of funny, like there's been some twins that we've seen and one twins definitely better than the other one. And, you know, you see one, you're like, well, he can't play for us. So how do we, how do we approach this? Um, <laughs> but with them, I mean, both of them were just outstanding high school players, just, you know, a little undersized, um, and, and they weren't, they were good athletes, but they've really improved their athleticism and just, uh, just changed their bodies, uh, over these last four years. But, um, they, we knew from the get go that they were going together. Like they, they okay. were set that no matter where they were going, it was a package deal. And, you know, luckily they were both really good. So we had no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it works out. It makes you look pretty smart. That is for sure. Um, they're not the only ones, obviously, uh, getting contributions, uh, from Christopher Smalls, 9.5 points a game, almost five rebounds a game himself. Uh, also like the, the like the, the twins, plenty of assists, plenty of steals, uh, Bryce Butler, uh, he's got nine points a game. He's got four, almost five rebounds a game. Um, he turns over to less, but he has a number of steals and assists. And by the way, everybody shoots pretty well. Mason Wang shoots 50%. Evan Wang shoots 49%. Smalls at 49%, I'm sorry, 39, 40%, 42% from Butler. And there's others, there's Strickland and there's other guys, but that foursome is certainly important and it's helping your team to outscore your opponents by more than seven points a game and shoot 44% from the floor. That's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, we, um, we're, we're, we're hard to guard just because we have five guys that can shoot the ball at all times on the floor. So we can really put some strain on the defense. Um, and so we we're really just trying to get our guys open layups and uh, open threes for the most part. So uh, our shot selection has been, you know, for the most part, really good this year. Um, and uh, we have good shooters. I mean, we shoot we shoot more threes than anyone in the conference. We make more threes. We have the highest percentage. Uh, I think we're the I, I checked the other day. We we're number one in field goal percentage uh, on offense and number one field goal percentage defense, which was kind of surprising to me. But uh um, you know, it's, uh, they're smart guys. I mean, we, we, we really talk a lot about just kind of principles of what we want to do on offense and, um, you know, not trying to go one-on-one too much and, you know, not settling for, uh, contested shots. We don't have to, and, and they've bought into that. And, you know, even when like the Wangs are getting keyed in on like when Albright, you know, more or less just puts their two best, biggest, most physical defenders on them. Um, they don't resort to saying, you know, I got to get my average. I, I got to score more points. You know, they, they don't force anything. And so it helps us. It just opens everything up more for our other guys. But, um, but yeah, we, like we, we, we've been really good with not turning the ball over and taking good shots. And I think that's a big reason why we've been so successful uh, overall and especially offensively. When obviously you've got, uh, who do we say ahead of you? Uh, all right. Widener coming up. Uh, you played them last on the 22nd of January and beat them by 11. Uh, and then you played them back on December 4th in a crazy game, 179. A little high scoring for everybody in some ways. What are you expecting from Widener? Because in reality, it's it's been a while since you've seen them. 
Yeah, it has been. I was uh, we were, I was watching a lot of film today, and I had to like go back in our scouting report and just kind of, you know, uh, reacclimate myself with uh, with everything that they do. And um, they're going to be tough. I mean, they're playing well. I think they've won six out of their last eight, um, and they're dangerous. I mean, they're they're a skilled team. They're well coached. Um, they've kind of been our rival these last few years, um, where you know I, I feel like it's always late in the season, and there's a game where it's like. You know, whoever wins is going to make the the playoffs or get you know the the second seed or whatever it may be. So we've had some battles uh, against them, um, but yeah, we we played well in both the games against them uh, earlier this year. So we'll have to play well again. Um, you know, because they, they they can definitely present some problems. I mean, they got some big time wins on their resume, so they can beat anyone any night. How important? Obviously, it's important to win. That seems kind of dumb. And obviously, we talked about trying to get it. Uh, you know, to the, to the NCAs, but how important is it to win the conference? It, it's, you know, does that trophy mean a bunch? Does that mean a lot more than, than other things? For the regular season? Yeah. Or not the regular, just, yeah. just winning the conference title in general. Yeah. I mean that for, for us, it, it's a big deal. I mean, we were, we were picked sixth uh, in the preseason poll, which, you know, we had probably the wackiest preseason poll in the history of college basketball. If you look at what the, what the poll was and where everyone finished. Um, but that's just something, you know, it's, it's, it's always our goal and, 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 you know, to actually set out and do it. And it would have been nice that we were co-champions. It would have been nice to, to uh, actually, you know, win it outright, but because Eastern got a forfeit win, they still counted that as an actual win. So we were co-champions and then we lost the tiebreaker because they beat us. So uh, we got a, 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 bad side of that deal but um yeah i mean it, it, from a, a school you know i think my father you know starting the program back in 2003 whenever it was you know it's a relatively young program and they started from you know just the complete ground floor with no gym um you know playing all their home games away at high schools and whatnot yeah you know just kind of you know, building on top of what those guys did and, you know, adding something every single year, whether it be new facilities, you know, more stuff for our guys, um, you know, just to kind of have that starting to pay off and, and kind of get to the level that we've known that we could get to. And, and we've kind of, uh, you know, fought for and, and you know, all, as you know, all the all the work that goes in behind the scenes is just insane from everything from recruiting to, you know, workouts and, uh, you know, early morning practices and, all that stuff. So it's, it's definitely satisfying, uh, especially when you have a group like ours where we got just nothing but good, good high character kids on the team. Um, and, you know, we just hood being an all women's school for so long, we yeah. just, we haven't really had a ton of success in a lot of our, uh, our sports. So, um, you know, we're starting to, I think, turn the corner a little bit, especially in a, a handful of sports. So anytime we can get a team up towards the top of the conference, um, and especially when the conference is, is a big deal uh, for us. So, yeah, we were excited about it. Obviously, that's not the uh, the, the long term goal for this season. But sure. It's definitely uh, it's definitely nice to have. And, you know, I, I was proud of the guys that they were able to pull that off. Speaking of your dad, how is the man? Uh, I, I kind of in some, some ways I kind of miss seeing him on the sideline. How's he doing? Well, you should come to a game or turn watch the live stream. You have to you have to listen to him all game. Him and his buddy are announcing our game so uh they probably have a, a couple cult followers and a couple people that watch it on mute uh every every day so uh he's doing well 
he's a grand he's a grandfather uh of six now wow so, uh my wife and I just had a, a little one in August. My sister and her husband had one in uh, May, I believe. And so, and my brother has four up in Philadelphia, but you know, my sister and I are local. So him and my mom are doing some babysitting throughout the week. So he's been busy with that, um, but he's doing well. He's still around. He's, he's still, he watches all the, all the away games. He goes to some of the away games. He's, uh, he's here. He goes to some high school games to watch recruits for us. So, He's still very involved. I mean, you can't take that guy away from uh, basketball. He's, unless it's nice out so he can golf, he's going to have to be uh, uh, involved with basketball somehow. You can take the man out of the gym, but you can take the coaching out of the man. That's for sure. No doubt. Hey, uh, Chad, I appreciate the time. Uh, really f- great to talk about the Blazers. I kind of kicked myself. I think that you guys had something earlier this season that I realized in hindsight I should have gotten out to. But uh, I'll get out there eventually. I drive by enough times, but I'll get out there and stop for a change. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Um, I mean, I, I, like, like I said last time, I think I was on, we, obviously everything you do and, and you guys do for the Division Three basketball landscape is just awesome. Um, it's, uh, you know, my friends and family are on the website all the time. They're on Twitter, following everyone all the time. And, um, you know, it's just uh, it's an exciting time of year. And, and to have, you know, a, a kind of a a place and a, a source to get all that information um is definitely helpful so you know obviously we, we appreciate that and uh and yeah i mean we uh, uh appreciate you having us on we're you know we we're trying to get uh uh get to that next level and, and and make some noise nationally so hopefully we can pull it off and be an ncaa tournament and, and see what happens yeah well i'm looking forward to it uh fun to watch and uh glad to see the success tell your dad i said hi and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road Will do. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Chad Dickman joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they'll take on Widener at 6 o'clock on uh, the 25th. Uh, that is, of course, Friday for those of you who are paying attention. Mason Twins are fun to watch. Tune in. Give them a chance, and uh, maybe we'll see them dancing next week. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk Utica men's basketball with Sean Coffey. you listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. More after this. Us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To To stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. 
Welcome back to Hoopsville. As we roll along, if you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. You can also just send a message there um, or chat in that section. You can also join us on YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. A little late starting that for some reason. YouTube just didn't want to cooperate with us. But whatever, we're up and running. Uh, so feel free, share, send your questions, whatever. It is a jam-packed, supersized show. Speaking of which, we'll keep things moving here. We head up to upstate New York. We'll get it out of the way now. We did tweet earlier that Utica is looking to go into Division Two. The timing, we're unsure, but we know that the conversation is there because it showed up in the minutes of the men's ice hockey, um, whatever, was it the, the, the committee, national committee, back in June because Utica is expected to host the uh, 2026 uh, D3 championships, but it literally says in there, depending if Utica goes to D2. I've heard of keeping things quiet. That doesn't keep things quiet, though it kept things semi-quiet, I guess. That is unrelated to why we asked our next guest on the show. We'll just get that out of the way now. Sean Coffey's program with the men's team, along with the women's team, doing really well in the Empire 8. Of course, they're a top dog in the E8 as they roll along in the conference tournament. So we figured, hey, last minute, we needed another men's guest. And we had lots of questions, and so figured, let's talk to Utica. And so Sean Coffey said, sure, I'll show up on the show. I'd be happy to. Or at least he said, I'll show up on the show. We're not really sure if he said he'd be happy to do it or not. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline from the Pioneers, who have my favorite mascot in the world, it is Sean Coffey. Sir, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, of course I was happy to get on here with you. So, yeah, and get that out of the way, too. There we go. I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, first and foremost, I mean, listen, I, we talked, we talked to the women's program earlier this season. They were doing pretty well. I looked on the men's side and not that you guys weren't on the radar, but when I looked a couple weeks ago, suddenly you guys had kind of emerged kind of like I was talking with hood. We're distracted by some other teams in that conference. And lo and behold, here comes, here comes Utica. Tell us though, how your season went from your perspective from start to now. Uh, you know, you know, we're happy where we're at right now. Um, we thought, uh, you know, it was just tough battling through COVID, just some canceling of games and, um, you know, just scrambling for games. Uh, you know, we did get a chance to play last year, so we were kind of used to that. Um, you know, a lot of programs did not get that opportunity, as you you know and your your audience knows. So, um, you know, I thought we were just kind of plugging along early. We probably had one or two hiccups that we'd like to have back one in particular and then uh but that kind of woke us up at the right time to get in the conference play and um and yeah I, I think the schedule was favorable enough to start going on a little bit of a, a role here late and um you know I think we're playing our best basketball at the right time of the year um late here so now we're excited we got an older group that's kind of been here before in a different way uh in a COVID year so uh just excited for the guys they put in a, a ton of work yeah, 22 and three again on the season. Uh, second game of the year was stubbed your toe against Rutgers Newark, then went on a five game winning streak. Then SUNY IT snuck up on you. You actually didn't play, and this may be what you're alluding to with the COVID. A lot of games prior to the new year, um, you had, I'm doing the quick math, you had a bunch in, in November and five, and then you just played two games in December. That had to have been tough to go through. A, only seven games before January 1. But second, you had all those games in no in November, and then it's kind of like everything came to a crashing halt. Correct. Yeah, and we do host our own tournament at the end of uh, December there, and you know, you know, we had some teams back out late because of COVID, right, right before the new year. Um, so we lost the game there, and then we were going to uh, play Williams as a, as kind of like 
they needed a game. We needed a game. Yeah, I remember that. Too. So, and then we actually, you know, ended up playing uh, SUNY Poly, um, also known as SUNY IT, for a second time because we both just needed a game. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, – it was an interesting December of kind of a lot of practice and then trying to keep these guys, you know, focused without a whole lot of uh, games coming at them early. But and sometimes it's just kind of how the schedule goes since our entire uh, league schedule is in the second semester. So, you know, we're at the mercy of trying to schedule around other conferences that do start earlier. So we can have kind of an odd um, flow to our first semester games, which, um, can be a little bit difficult to get in a rhythm. Yeah, interesting enough, you mentioned the Williams games. Williams just seemed to be um, jinxed this year in terms of that. Yeah, they were going to go to Washington Lee. Then I saw them pop up on your radar. I'm like, oh, great. And then it's like the next day, that's gone. Now you're mm-hmm. looking for games. I think I may have even texted you at one point. I don't know. I've lost track of who I did and didn't text going, you're looking for games. I know XYZ, and I had a list of teams who were looking. How much, though, did that distract and I and I ask this very seriously. How much did that distract from you and the team that then you finally did play IT slash Poly slash whatever uh, team that's down the street from you? Um, when you finally did play that, you were so focused on so many other things that you couldn't give that game enough attention. I mean, you know, they're a good team, so I'm not going to take anything from sure. them. They came to our gym, and we played poorly and they played really well and they jumped on us. So, you know, one of those games that, uh, you know, with, with the rivalry, kind of the local uh, flavor to it, you know, is one you always want to get, but yeah, I mean, our guys were pumped up to play. I think a Williams team that was 17th in the country. And at that time, and we got some Florida kids and, you know, just kind of connecting the dots that, you know, a bunch of Miami heat fans this is where, you know, the Duncan kid went to school just so you understand, you know, just perspective and, of, of how good this team is, you know, um, nice. Well done. So, so they were really jacked up to play that game. Then for then all of a sudden just kind of the air was let out when that wasn't going to happen. And, and um, so again, it, 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 does it distract a little bit? Yes. Kind of emotions up and down, but you know, again, we, we're not going to lean on that as a reason for anything. You know, we, sure. we went through that last year where a lot of people, again, they were canceled outright early and we were going through that up and down playing, not playing, sure, um, playing four games in six days, you know? So, um, so I think we were experienced enough to deal with that, but it, it's still, you know, they're still kids, you know? So. No, totally get it. Um, and I, and I'm just more of a curiosity of just the craziness that all is. Yeah. By the way, well done on the sell job. If you're a Miami Heat fan, this is where Duncan got to start. Well done on that. I'll give you props for that for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, but then again, things again have come on near the end of this season. You guys have not lost since you lost to Nazareth. Again, a team who was getting a lot of the attention early on this season. They yeah. tripped. They tripped you up. And they tripped you up good. Seventy nine thirty nine by forty. Uh, we've used other terms on this show, but we'll use that one for now. You haven't lost since, and it includes a win against them by 15, 82, 67. Was there something about that game? And, I, and it's probably COVID. I realize that. And what was, did that game help trigger what is now, you know, a significant you know run you've got going? Um, there was, you know, we, we had won the night before at St. John Fisher and to play those two uh, back-to-back on the road in Rochester. I, don't, I, I still don't think anyone's ever won those two in our leagues are you going by the way quick side as you'll finish are you staying out there or are you going back and forth 
No, we stay out there. Okay, okay. So yeah, we're just far enough where we're gonna stay in a hotel out there, and you know, and we hadn't stayed in a hotel, I believe, since that Rutgers newer tournament to tip off the year. So and it, that that Fisher game was a war. It was so physical, and you know, in our first team. Uh, all league player got a concussion in that game, mm. uh, suffered a concussion. And so he was out the next day and, and, you know, we were gassed from the night before. So, um, and again, we had a good 10 minutes and then all of a sudden the wheels just fell off. So, but yes, that game, uh, you know, kind of sparked a little bit in us and that's our toughest trip to go out there and play those two on a Friday, Saturday. And then, um, it's one of the first years I've been here since we've been able to kind of get that one out of the way earlier usually that kind of lingers later into the uh the schedule so it was nice to do it during break sure and just you know let's go play hard and then uh you know they got to come to us later on you know so let's go put on a decent showing it's one of those those trips you know you split you did a good job out there so um just not not uh looking to lose by 40 though (laughs) no no 40 not not great not great and not Um, scoring but again 13-game winning streak since, and wins over St. John Fisher, who two games behind you as well, and they certainly can't garner enough attention. Um, Alfred's having a decent season. You you, you bettered them. Uh, Sage has certainly made it a more interesting conference full of games. Um, what's really wacky is you just got done playing Alfred last week, beat them 55-42, and your reward, sir, is that you get to play Alfred again, this time at your place in the conference tournament. Is that... I'm kind of curious, is that a tough game to get the guys kind of really focused on? Because you just played them, you just beat them. It's a little bit redundant. It's not fresh. They kind of have a little maybe too much confidence that they can smoke them. Is that a game that you got you got to work extra hard on? Uh, I mean, I, I think at this point, we just don't care who's in front of us, to be honest. Um, you know, we're kind of on a mission here, you know, with our attitude and everything, and and we respect them uh, holy, like they're, they're big and physical and they're tough in the paint. And, um, so, you know, we are not looking past anybody this time of year and we understand in our league that, you know, you know, we're probably going to have to win this thing to get in, you know, there's a very good chance that, you know, this league's not getting two in the tournament. So, you know, and again, we have enough older, uh, mature guys, fifth year players, true seniors that, uh, you know, they're not allowing that um, that kind of seeing past somebody, uh, mentality whatsoever. So honestly, they've, they've made it a lot easier on me. We talk about those things to make sure. And it's just almost like check the box for myself. Um, but you know, I, I'm really, uh, proud and, you know, I'm confident in the way they, they kind of carry themselves and kind of the narrative they bring into each game and they're not going to look past anybody. Yeah, I mean, you guys are sitting in a weird spot in the regional rankings. I looked at your SOS 490 as of last week. I don't know the current number. You know, that's a tough spot to be in. Obviously, the mentality, go win and take care of it. it just You don't need to worry about it. That certainly takes precedent. Um, but you're going to have to grind through this conference a little bit, you know, the, the tournament where everybody's going to be gunning for everybody. Your advantage is everybody's got to come to Utica. That's got to be huge to make sure that, you know, the, maybe the Clark Center can be rolling for you. But you've got you've got the advantage of being in your own beds. Yeah, it's the first time ever for this program. Oh, I didn't realize it was the first time ever. Yeah, yeah. So first uh, time regular season champions, first time hosting. That's cool. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of firsts um, wrapped around this year, and um, and this group, you know, frankly, the last couple of years. So 
Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a new spot for us to be in. We're always kind of the ones gunning for someone else. And so now being, uh, you know, having that number one hanging on your head, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is right now. So, and, you know, we won our league last year, you know, in the COVID year. So um, we've kind of been playing with that, you know, on our, you know, again, on our shoulders, people, you know, that target on our back. So um, all, all year, but yes, you know, and I think even more so, and this is not putting anything past Alfred because again, they're tough and they could beat us, but um, to not have to play in that two, three game against one of those Fisher and Nads and then have to, come back and probably play the other one the next day like we just mentioned you know um that's really a big reward in itself um to kind of get out of that that situation so um yeah so we'll see we're gonna you said it we're gonna have to grind through it so it's gonna be a tough weekend couple notes interesting naz and st john fisher which basically border each other come all the way to utica to play each other uh, and as a former Fisher assistant, um, not to cut you off, it's you know to to understand that rivalry oh, within that, and yeah. then that, for us to play ourselves into a position where now those two got to come play Utica is pretty cool for me, to be honest. So. No, I'm sure, I am sure, and there's there's some you know little little nuggets of of fun in there. <laughs> um, you know they got to they got to beat each other up. It's a rivalry game, so they're going to probably have a lot of energy to do that which might bode well if you can get past Alfred. Again, it's at your place. So you kind of take a little of the sting of the atmosphere out of there too on them. Um, there's a lot of little little nuggets. Listen, I want to talk about the team in a second because I mean, we're running out of time. But uh, real quick, you've had five winning seasons out of your six you've been there. The only non-winning season was your first one when you guys went 10-16, and 16, which was a, a marked improvement from the season before. They hadn't had a winning season in seven years prior to that. You've got to be pleased with what you've been able to do coming in not only because you're a St. John Fisher uh, assistant and know the league, but being able to have that kind of success at a program that, to be honest, as you said, kind of has always been under the, the behind the scenes, I should say, or behind the spotlight for the Nazes and the St. John Fishers and the others. Yeah, no, we're proud of uh, what we've been able to accomplish, you know, culturally and, um, you know, obviously winning helps with a lot of things and just, getting the right student athletes to come here. Um, you know, I always felt that, you know, even as an assistant and playing against Utica, like this is kind of a sleeping monster here. If someone could come in here and this is before I really had any sights on even leaving Fisher. Um, if someone, if the right person gets there, just the location and the facility upgrades and the programs academically, you know, someone could really get this thing rolling in this league. Um, it's a tough league, but I think it's a winnable league. I've always said that. Um, so, you know, just frankly, I've talked to a lot of coaches, um, when, you know, of other sports at Utica, just when, when first getting there, just kind of having this vision and we could, we could really be good here. You know, there's no reason why we shouldn't be good here in a lot of sports. So, um, so seeing that come, come through fruition a bit and, um, and some of the other sports, you know, on our campus are really doing well, is you know, really, really well too. You know, you mentioned the women's and program and, um, and our hockey team. So the winter has been great for, for Utica, uh, athletics. So, um, but yes, we're, 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 you know, proud. I haven't really had a chance to really reflect too much on it. Still you know, in the thick of it and everything, but, um, we got really good guys that love each other and they're getting out of here and doing well with their lives. And so that's really, um, you know, I know it's kind of cliche and stuff, but that's, they, they make me proud and everything. So they've, they've been dealing with me and, you know, 
you know, overbearing and, you know, just trying to be perfect all the time and, you know, detail this, detail that. But game day, I let them just go play, and I think they appreciate that. And so just having great relationships with these guys has been a lot of fun. Uh, let's talk about the team real quick. Uh, I'm going to screw up Thomas's last name. As people realize later in this program, I'm having a, I'm having a day when it comes to last names or names in general. Uh, how do you say Thomas's last name so we can say it right? Morial. It is Morial. Okay. Yeah, yep. I was overthinking it in my head. Uh, 14 and a half points a game, six rebounds a game. Uh, leads the team in blocks. Or, I'm sorry, second on the team in blocks. Uh, the leader in the blocks is uh, uh, Kimdrick uh, Murphy. Uh, yeah. Darius Hopkins, second on the team, 12.8 points a game. Kobe Lufkin, 12.2 points a game and 9.7. And we'll call it double figures for Chris Green. Nice foursome there. Nobody jumps out the page in terms of rebounding. It seems like a very even rebounding team back to... The fact that 5.8 rebounds per game from Murphy, uh, who's not even in that group we were just talking about. So everybody seems to rebound. Everybody seems to score. Uh, you've got really good shooting. You're shooting 48% from the floor. You distribute the ball. You certainly um, rebound well, uh, as we mentioned. Shoot free throws might be the only thing they don't do great, but nobody seems to be doing great this year. Give me a little sense of those four that we mentioned and, and how this team clicks. And honestly, it goes beyond those four. Um, we feel like we have like seven starters, uh, even an eighth. It's um, you could throw Comedric in there, Comedric Murphy, big guy who's been tremendous his whole career. Avery Costin, who had an ACL a couple of years ago, he was an all league player um, before the ACL. So he, you know, has had recognition in our league and he's like our sixth man. Damian Calls, another one who's just a freak athlete. Um, he comes in with Avery often and he was a rookie of the year last year. So, and he's just kind of biding his time behind some good older players that have stuck around an extra year or two. So, um, but yeah, th that group, um, you know, Darius, Tommy, Kobe, Chris, um, they've been getting a little bit more of the recognition the last couple of years. Some all league stuff came out and they all got something. So they get four guys on all league out of 15 slots was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Darius was defensive player of the year. And, um, you know, but that's what that's been the blueprint for us is depth, uh, putting as many threats on the floor as possible. Go to the bench. You could even get, you know, we can even get better. We can play different. The versatility of someone like an Avery Costa can play literally one through five. He can guard three through five. Um, and, you know, and Damien's just a, a nightmare to guard off the dribble and around the rim. So um, we just have so many ways we can play. And, but it takes a lot of sacrifice by these guys, minutes, starting roles, shots. And that's what I give them the most credit for is that they've completely bought into that. It wasn't easy early on for some of them as younger players um, to fully see the big picture, but um, they have, you know, that's why we're so tough to guard. We shoot a high percentage. They defend, we keep people well under uh, 40% in the last couple of years. And that's kind of been our trademark is just defensively and, and playing off of that. Um, but yeah, this, uh, you know, their sacrifice individually to win period is what we've uh, been able to accomplish um, culturally again. And that's on those guys. And you can throw Justice Brantley in there as well, who's was supposed to be out for the year and actually had a great recovery and an off season surgery. That's given us another dimension, you know, big, strong body can shoot it off the bench. So um, I feel like we just can go to, you know, we just come at people in waves, um, where we don't really drop off when we get in our bench. 
A uh, quick note on Morial. Uh, shoots 57% from the floor. Shoots 55% from beyond the arc, and he takes the third most threes on this team. He is uh, definitely a dangerous weapon, and shooting that well from deep is just an insane number. 41 of 75. Uh, Sean, i got to let you go. I'd talk to you more. I love talking yep. about Utica. I, I know the area well, <laughs> as people on this show know. Um, so it's fun to get uh, teams. I, I, I've driven by campuses just for no darn reason on the show, but I appreciate the time. Uh, good luck. Uh, looking forward to watching how the uh, E8 plays out this week and looking forward to maybe talking about uh, the Moose. Maybe talk about the Moose on Monday's show, if we can, sneak it into the NCA broadcast should you guys punch a ticket. As always, we talk about the uh, – or we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? No, it's uh, – you guys do a great job. This platform you have, you know, pumping up D3 hoops. And, um, you know, it's been around since I was a player in the early 2000s. And appreciate you guys. And um, anytime you're in Utica, let's go get some riggies and, you know, a half moon or something. So, okay. All right. You know. All right. I can dig. Sure. <laughs> a few places I'd like to visit. We'll talk about that. Right. Um, by the way, you didn't have to date us like that. All right. That was <laughs> – that was subtle. Hey, longevity. Longevity. Longevity, yeah. right. Hey, take care. Uh, enjoy <laughs> the weather, you. and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Have Sean Coffey joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they take on uh, Alfred. Of course, the other game on the other side of that is um, Nazareth and St. John Fisher. Should be a really fun tournament. Really worth, probably worth turning, tuning into if you get the opportunity. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're running behind. We'll head out to Minnesota, talk St. John's men's basketball. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Back with more after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville as I continue to get our Twitter accounts done. This is definitely something we're going to have 
Andy take over at some point in time. Uh, of course, he's busy with crossover season himself. He's got he's out of the lacrosse game, or he might be back by now, for all I know. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're si- live simulcasting the show, easy for me to say. Uh, also, uh, YouTube, we're on there, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. That's where we're live simulcasting. The, or maybe it's just, no, it's just slash Hoopsville. Sorry, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, D3, uh, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Lots of ways. We got them in the corner of your screen. We'll try and answer questions if we get the opportunity. Love to hear from you if you feel like jumping on board, et cetera, et cetera. Heading out to Minnesota, talking men's basketball. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure what to expect of the Mayak season this year. Um, we, of course, lost St. Uh, Thomas to D1, and uh, they certainly carried themselves well. And I think a lot of people just kind of automatically wrote St. John's in as the de facto champs uh, for this season. Augsburg, maybe we all forgot about Augsburg, certainly played well, and they took the mantle at one point. But they stumbled a little bit, losing four or five at one point. And guess who's on top? It's St. John's. But interestingly, not ranked in the top 25. Figured we waited enough time. We should have been talking to Pat McKenzie a lot sooner than this. But we finally got off our haunches and decided to talk to him. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, the aforementioned Pat McKenzie, the St. John's men's basketball coach. Team's 21-4 and four overall. Finished the Mayak campaign 17-2. and two. In reality, Pat, 17-2. and two. Finishing the Mayak is darn good. No matter the year, you got to be pretty happy with how this season went. Yeah, absolutely, it, it is. I mean, anytime you're able to, uh, you know, win, win your conference championship, I think that that's a, a special accomplishment. And and this year is no different. Um, you know, it, it's been a fun group. Uh, it's been a, a really a really good year so far. And and um, yeah, it, it certainly you know feels good to to finish on top. Certainly, started the season two and two, uh, beat River Falls and Superior. Uh, then lost to Oshkosh and Hope in the almost played the entire Wisconsin State Tour. Uh, you got the the games at one weekend in River Falls and Superior. Then you were at uh, IW where you got Oshkosh, uh, lost to them 89-55, and then got Hope and lost them 62-58. I'll be honest, that can be a that can be a breaker a little bit when you play two good teams like that and can't come out with a victory out of at least one of those games. I could see a lot of teams just kind of packing it in a little bit. You guys got a week off and played St. Scholastica and beat them by 33, and it seemed like it triggered you know, a nice little run for you. Tell me a little bit about the start and how that has impacted the season since. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I've, I've had better weekends than, than the one down <laughs> at, at Illinois Wesley, I can tell you that. Um, it, it, but, you know, that's part of why we went there. Um, you know, We knew we were going to see good early. Uh, we, we, we wanted a measuring stick. We've got some young guys, some new faces. And, and, you know, figured, hey, if we can play with these guys, we know where we're at. If we can't, we know where we need to get. And, and I mean, Oshkosh just absolutely curb stomped us. I mean, it, it was something else and it wasn't a whole lot better against Hope. Um, but you know what? We learned a lot. Like you said, it, it was a catalyst for us. Uh, learned what we need. They exposed us. We got better because of it. Both teams. And frankly, even his team, you know, I learned a lot from that. And, and I think it, it has served even, even to this day. I mean, we, we will still reference that trip. Um, yeah, I can tell you that, but uh, I think ultimately it was a good thing for our team. I think we're a better program because of it. 
Uh, lost the audio there. We caught it up. It's amazing how technology works. Be just patient with it. You won on nine, nine straight from there. Augsburg then got you. And to some degree, not surprised. That's about when Augsburg was playing at its best. Um, and then you guys, you forgot about that one because you then won, what, about seven, eight straight again. But then St. Olaf tripped you up. And I'll admit, I think I, I had you in the, I have you in the top 25 now. And I think I had you in and out. That game gave me a little bit of pause. You came back and got Augsburg. That's when they were in their bit of a tailslide. But the St. Olaf game kind of gave me a little pause. Not because, listen, we know it's the Mayak. Anybody can beat anybody. We know St. Olaf's been good in the past. I just kind of expected you to win that one. And then we'll see about the Augsburg game. Was the St. Olaf game that proverbial trap because Augsburg was coming second? Or is it just they played a hell of a game? Yeah, they're good. I mean, I think they they played well. Um, you know, you saw early in the year they were playing well, and then they got hit with some injuries, yeah, and had some COVID issues, and then they got healthy again and, and are starting to play well. And you know, we, we actually play them tomorrow night, uh, so we're gonna have our hands full again. They're good. They're they're, they're just a good team. Uh, they played well. They, they they outplayed us. I mean, that, I, you know, I I don't think it was a trap game per se. It was just that they they just they just outplayed us and, and beat us. Um, but fortunately, you know, we were able to bounce back. I mean, that's one of the things this group's been been really good at is just putting it away and and moving on. And and uh, you know, hope, hopefully, we can we can keep stringing some together here. Yeah, I did bring that Sydney Olaf game up because yeah, you play them tomorrow in the conference playoffs. Uh, granted, uh, you'll be at home versus being on the road for that loss. When you did play them at home previously, it was a three point game. So what we can you know, take out from that is you're going to have a bit of a battle here. There's nothing guaranteed to try and get to the championship game. So how do you get the team prepared? Do you, do you recap the games that you played them? Do you show them video from those games and talk about what worked and didn't? Or do you kind of start afresh as if those games didn't get played and you're kind of starting anew with a scout? Yeah, no, I mean, I guess a little bit of a little bit of all that, right? I mean, we we certainly rehashed some of the things that I, I thought we did well, some of the things we, we we think we can do better, and you know where we might uh, change some things up for tomorrow. And and yet, to your point, it, it, you know, it's a it's a totally different game, and so uh, you know you have to kind of have that blank slate coming into it, and and we still got to do what we do. I mean, we we have to play to our our strengths, be ourselves, and and hopefully, if if we're playing well that'll be good enough, but, um, you know, they're, they're awfully good too. So it'll, it, it should be a, a really, really good game. Um, let's talk about the, the details of the players. Certainly. Um, Ryan Thyssen as it's Thyssen, right? Uh, Thyssen. It is Thyssen. I, yeah. As people will realize this show gets worse with me and names today. <laughs> it is, I am off on another world somewhere. So, so but I appreciate it. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, Thyssen's uh, leading the team. Shooting 52% from the floor. Uh, he's got 4.8 rebounds, but 13.2 points. You got th- really, I call it four guys in double figures because I call anybody with a more than nine points probably a double figure guy. Cooper Vaughn's got 11 and a half. Zach Hansen's got 11. And Mitchell uh, Plumbun has got 9.2. And again, and, and we just talked about this with the Utica's coach, Sean Coffey. Nothing jumps out of me on the rebounding side. Everybody's got the, about the same amount of rebounding numbers. And you're out rebounding your opponents by about four rebounds per contest. Tells me everybody's on board with the rebounding idea that you all got to go get that ball, and that's what is seems significant when I look at that stat line for you guys. Outside of the guys who are scoring in double figures, everybody's going to get the boards. Yeah, you, you hope so. It's funny you bring that up because Saint Olaf just killed us out of the class down at their place, um, so we we weren't going and getting them that. <laughs> 
night. But um, it, it, we, and, and that's proven to be, you know, a critical component to, to the success so far. And, you know, certainly getting on the glass is, is a big part of that. Tell me about uh, Thiessen, Vaughn, Hansen, and the other guys and what they're, what, how they're clicking, how they're playing as a unit. You know, obviously went through COVID. That wasn't easy. Getting a full season now, what's it all been like for this unit? Well, it's, it's been great to have some normalcy back, obviously. Um, and, and you know, you, you sometimes have to remind yourself, like, you know, your sophomores are freshmen, kind of. I mean, we, we only played seven games last year. Right. So, you know, it's it's a lot of catching up to some degree. And, and you know, our, like our, our freshmen at, or our sophomores at some of these gyms, it's the first time they're there. You kind of forget about, like, oh, yeah, we're, we're not used to any of this stuff. Um but it, it, they're, they're really, they've, they've meshed really well. I mean, one of the other, we, we've been banged up at times. We've been missing guys for injuries or illness or whatever else have you. So it's been a little bit of musical chairs. And, and I think as a result, we, we have built some depth. And, and then conversely, guys have come together. They, they, they've sort of rallied around that at times. And so the, the, the guys you mentioned are, are all really almost by the day in practice, um, which, which has been, you know, a fun part of this season. What's interesting is, again, the conference tournament comes through you guys. You had to deal with all these COVID battles. Uh, you lost the Bethel game early on. The conference changed its policies on whether that would go down as a, you know, what everybody would deal with it. You know, could you make it up? Could you not make it up? And, and for a lot of teams, it's been a bit about flexibility. But having been through what you guys have been through, I'm assuming everyone's willing to be flexible. Everyone's willing to adapt. Yeah, I, I'm sure you've heard it. I mean, especially going through last year. I mean, the one thing about, you know, th this group of kids, you know, and I mean, they're so flexible. I mean, they, they just they're able to adapt on the fly, roll with the punch better than I can. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm far more, you know, creature of habit, like my routines. And these guys just roll with it. And, and that, that for sure has been a lesson for me going through the, the pandemic is how, how these kids have just kind of, it just rolls off their back and, okay, what's next? Well, you know, here we go. And, and, and I think that's probably not unique to saying every team in the country's had their battles. And, and I, I would, I would venture to guess, you know, you're seeing these kids just take it and run with it. With that said, you're heading into a conference tournament. You're sitting in the latest regional rankings in the four spot. We're, this is back to the realities of a regular season. You know, conference championships, maybe at large. I assume, obviously, the message is go win the conference. But do you have everything in the back of your mind that you can maybe get in as an at large? Or do you guys have to just put all the chips in and and know that this weekend's what you is really the only focus and the only thing you can do is go win because you probably don't know if you can get in. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Exactly. I mean, you, you, it's back to the old coaching cliche, a control what you can control. Yeah. Um, and, and right now what we can control is how we're preparing for St. Olaf and, and trying to get that game. Um, you know, whether we get an at large or not, you know, that's, that's out of my hands at, at, at this point. Uh, um, I, by all measures, I would think we do have a chance, but I don't think you want to put your, you know, all your eggs in that basket by any stretch. Uh, how? Which you how probably knew is how I was going to answer that question. Huh? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how fun is it to be coaching your alma mater and having the success you're having? It's a, it's a lot of fun. 
I mean, it, it's, um, it, you know, you see these guys, there's that shared experience that, um, that you have that, 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 that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, so it, it yeah, I, I'm their coach right now, but, um, you know, I'm an alum and, and played in the program and we have that, that bond too. And so you see these guys going through stuff and, and every once in a while you have that flashback and you picture yourself with, with your buddies, you know, doing the same stuff and going through the same things. And I think from that standpoint, it's, you know, makes it fun. And I don't know if it makes it more special, but it, but it, it's certainly for me, I, I get a kick out of that at times. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh, I, I feel like I was just there. Um, so it, it th- there is that extra layer that, that has been, there's been a lot of fun part of the job. You're, you're also probably thinking, Oh wait, hold on. We also did. Hold on guys. I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably best that that there's some been some time removed here yes. that that uh, and you know cell phone cameras weren't around. Oh, uh, isn't so that, that the truth? Yeah, oh. so that, I'm fortunate, and I got a lot to be thankful for there. No, I, it's funny. I talked a quick aside. I, I've talked to so many. I wish the technology existed of, of digital DSLRs, you know, not real film and <laughs> cameras. So, because some of the experiences I went on, I would have gotten so many more images or videos, and it would have been great to experience. But I am so happy they didn't exist at the same time. It's yeah, there, there are two sides of that coin, Dave. There's <laughs> yes, no question about that. Are. Yeah, and yeah. it falls down in the middle so many times. Yeah. Before I let you go, I've got to ask. We we haven't talked about St. Thomas that much in the show because they are in a D1 and we're in about D3. We had some questions early on. Hey, have you been following them? But I do want to genuinely ask you: How strange has it been to do a full season and not have St. Thomas? be the games you guys are always getting up for you. You played them on average two and a half times a year. That was besides a rivalry. It was you two on top and everybody else trying to fight to get through you. Now they're gone. I mean, they're just gone. It's, it's gotta be a a little bit strange to go through an entire Mayak season. And those games aren't there. Yeah. You know, it is somebody Ask me this, and and I, I would say the rhythm of a season. You're just you're worried about the next game. You're preparing it. It feels so normal that that you forget about St. Thomas, um, and yet then when you when you sit back and and you're like, gosh, it, it is weird, and 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 you, you do miss it. I mean, I, I you know I miss it. It was a great game. It was a great rivalry. Um, you miss having it on your schedule, and yet at the same time, you, you, it hasn't. You haven't thought about it. Sure. If that makes any sense. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, does. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it's strange and yet not strange at all. And um, to your point earlier in the year or early in the, the segment here, they're doing a heck of a job. I mean, what they've done is pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, I got a lot of respect for 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 Johnny and, and his, his staff and those kids. I mean, they're they're kids. They're, they're the kids we played against last year. Yep. I mean, it's a, you know that's what it is. And so um, yeah, they, they they've done a heck of a job there. And and I know that they'll continue to to have success um, as, as they continue on. <laughs> They might give some people uh, illusions of grandeur uh, to try and do the same kind of jump. I think they were in a unique situation uh, to pull that off. Hey, love to chat with you more, but I'll let you go. But I appreciate the time. Uh, good luck. Obviously, it's going to be a battle to get through the, the Mayak tournament, but we wish you all the best. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, i just say quick. you know, thanks to our seniors. Um, you know, we got, this is a, the ultimate get to job, not a got to, and they make it that way. So, um, 
you know, Binley, Colt, Rass, Zach, and uh, Owen Campbell. Th- th- thanks for a great run. Let's let's keep it going. Oh, well said. Uh, well said indeed. Uh, again, congratulations on the season. Good luck, and we'll look forward to talking to you. Hey, thanks a lot, Dave. Absolutely. Pat McKenzie, join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Geez, easy for me to say. Uh, fun to chat with him. Appreciate the time he gave us. Uh, we wish them nothing but the best. Uh, yeah, a little bit of technical difficulties with his audio there, but I think we got most of his audio. If you were just patient enough, if you're listening on the podcast wondering why there were those blank pauses, we were simply letting coaches audio uh, catch up with uh, with the video. But we'll take another break. When we come back, we'll jump back to upstate New York, go to Cortland, talk to J.C. Brooks about her women's basketball team. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we're rolling along. Uh, just a heads up, we're switching into women's basketball here just out of random circumstance. I try not to have like half the show men and half the show women literally split. We tend to shake it up, try and be creative. I, you know, If I'm going to talk to two New York schools, I usually put them back to back. That didn't happen today. We put Utica uh, back uh, earlier in the show before going now. Uh, and the next few are also going to be pre-taped. Not the next one. The one we're about to do is not pre-taped, but the next few will be pre-taped. There's just so much going on in the tournaments and stuff, we had to kind of make things happen, and that's also why the show's a bit supersized. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville or on YouTube at youtube.com slash hoopsville. Lots of ways you can join with us and chat with us and do whatever you want to do uh, as we talk D3 basketball on the greatest week there is of the season. And to quote a coach who is coming up, for a lot of teams, there is no next game. So that was kind of the theme of today's show. Do or be done. For Cortland women's basketball, it may not be done, but they're having a good season. They're on top of the conference. They're controlling the conference tournament. And they certainly would love to punch their tickets the easy way to the NCAA tournament instead of hand it off to the committee to make them decide things. But I I had neglected my job. I hadn't talked to Cortland yet. So we finally got off our haunches and figured that one out and got J.C. Brooks on the show to talk about her Red Dragon squad joining us back in upstate New York. We have J.C. Brooks from uh, Cortland joining us with a team who is 20-4 overall. Uh, they finished conference 16-2. and two. Coach, you got to be pretty thrilled with how your team played this season. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, uh, when the season started, uh, you know, we had a little bit of a rough start. We started one and two, um, and it was the first time we played in over 600 days. Uh, we yeah. didn't get any games in last year. So, you know, going down to drew in that tournament was, was tough for the girls, but we got, we got it going and we had a great stretch and, um, you know, continuing it to conference play and, uh, we've been going playing well and looking forward to having the conference tournament this weekend. Yep. Uh, conference obviously will come through you guys. Yeah. The start wasn't the, I'm sure how you wanted it, as you said, uh, not ideal, I think would be the best way to say it. Um, that's accurate. That's accurate. Yeah. You started the season one and two, as you said, lost to Misericordia 73, 69. Listen, not a horrible loss. Yeah. Uh, Misericordia is 16 and 10 this season. They're, they're not too bad. You beat Newman by 16. I know you're thrilled about that. And then Hartwick tripped you up. Hartwick yeah. one probably stings the most though. They're 18 and six. You don't like, you don't want to lose to the state, uh, neighbors all that much, do you? Right. Right. Well, it's funny when I look back at, at Misericordia, you know, that first game, like I said, you know, that first game. And I remember the first five minutes of the game, that ball just cruising all over the gym. You know, we uh, hadn't played in a game in that long. So, uh, you know, we had a tough stretch. We couldn't quite recover and then be in Newman the next day. And then we go to Hartwick and, um, you know, we are known as pretty good shooters and we shot two for 27 from three. Ooh. So as you know, that's probably not going to win you many ball games. Not ideal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I look at it and sometimes, you know, I'm a big person blessing in disguise and I'm not sure if we don't take that loss on Tuesday to Hartwick, then we bounce back and eat, beat Ithaca that coming Friday. Well, that was what I saw next in the Ithaca win. You get them 68, 64. And anytime you can beat a Tan Raymond squad, <laughs> you, you put a feather in your cap and I am sure coming out of that Hartwick game, you're like, Dan is going to roll us. Correct. And they were just coming off their, their win versus Scranton. So I was right. thinking, oh, gosh. On top of it. Now, maybe it's because they beat Scranton. You had them in prime spot. Who knows? <laughs> but right. how do you how does the reset button get hit there to allow you to get the win and forget the struggles that were Hartwick and really to forget the struggles that were Misericordia since you guys couldn't figure out where you were on the floor? Absolutely. Right. I just, I remember being in the locker room, you know, after Hartwick and I think we were all pretty devastated. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it, it made me realize maybe I thought COVID, you know, having the year off got made me a little soft as a coach, you know, I wasn't <laughs> hard and, and keeping the kids accountable. And, um, you know, I remember that practice the next day and they brought it like they were ready to compete. And, um, I was like, okay, we, we got a special group here and how they just got it going those next couple of days. And they worked each other and competed and got better. And I think we went into that game with a little confidence just because of those two days of practice. Like I said, it lit a fire under all of us, myself included of like, Hey, we got to get this together and we got to get it together fast. And, um, you know, it was nice having that win over Ithaca because I think that started our progression a lot quicker than than if it could have been another opponent. Well, and then you rolled from there. We'll we'll talk about what happened late, but you you guys, let's see, you're you're currently twenty and four, and you've lost uh, only the four games. They're bookend of the season right now. So in between there, you basically ran off sixteen straight, or seventeen straight, I guess it was. Uh, and it was the New York show. You beat Ithaca and Hamilton and Oswego in conference, Brockport and Fredonia and Geneseo in conference before beating Polly, then getting back into conference play a month later and, and, and rolling along. Unfortunately, lost the St. Lawrence game, which you were supposed to have played, um, yeah. it, which I know would have been big. But this is where it gets tricky from, from an outsider's perspective. On the men's side, we know the Suniac's a beast. And so what Oswego's doing in the Suniac yeah. is mind-blowing. 
on the women's side, it's sometimes hard to read because sometimes this conference is a beast. And there's other times it feels like the top team rises to the top and everybody else is just kind of there. Where is it this year? So in other words, am I reading into that you guys are a beast with a really tough conference or everybody's just there and you're just better than they are? Um, You know, it, it's hard to tell because I, I think, you know, like we all know, anybody can be anybody on any given night. Yes. And, um, you know, I think that with our team, what, what allowed us to kind of, you know, separate ourselves just a little bit, you know, uh, with those games above New Paltz and, you know, you, you have uh, Geneseo at three and you had Buff State at four and, you know, they got upset on Tuesday by Oneonta. Um, you know, we just have so many scores that we have six kids that average between eight and 12 points and anybody can score on any given night where I feel some of our teams in the league, they have, you know, one or two really good players. And, you know, there's a bit of a drop off where we don't quite have that drop off. And I think that has allowed us, you know, like I said, I have um, some kids who are, who have had 20 point games and then the next game they score two points, you know, because somebody else steps up. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with our, our success, you know, with compared to the conference, but you know, it is a competitive league no matter what. Um, but I think that's what kind of separated us this year. Yeah, good read. Appreciate that. Certainly gives me some in- information that helps, um, understand it more because it's hard. But the one thing I do see when I look at the stats is what you said, how many players are, are scoring, and evenly, you've got if arguably I always look at somebody who scored more than nine points as basically someone who's in double figures because I realize that they're in double figures probably more than they aren't. So in <laughs> right. that sense, you've got four in double figures. You got Maggie Malone at eleven and a half. You've got Nia Langford at nine point eight, Casey Travers at nine point three, and Kareen uh, Midrike. Midrik. Midrik. Yeah, this is a theme today. I'll say <laughs> a name wrong and not even be close. Uh, 9.2 points a game. Uh, And then, of course, and McGuire, 8.3 and 7.5 from Tully. So that core is fascinating on how even that is for a team that's scoring 67 points a game. And listen, if I saw three and it was like that and you didn't have anybody else contributing, we know there's a problem because you can probably isolate a couple players and and they have a bad night or whatever. You're not going to find scoring. You've got a lot of options here, including coming off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it's been fun with that. Like I, literally every game I'm like, okay, who, whose night is it going to be? Because you don't know, you know, and I'll try to, you know, in our game plan, take a, take advantage of some defensive mismatches that, that will be in our favor and put that into the game plan. But, um, you know, it's just, I, I think about, you know, teams, I'm like, who are they going to take away? You know, because there's somebody else that's going to step up. Well, and then you've got nine players who played 23 or more games basically all of them. You've got another six or seven who have played two thirds of this season. So yeah, a lot of your games might be out of control and you can go to your bench, but you're routinely going deep in your bench. Cause the, yeah. if you look at minutes, you've, you've got a lot of players playing in double figure minutes. Yeah. So if I were to ask you this, what doesn't your team do well, or what are you still trying to figure out knowing there's scouting reports and stuff out there? I get that. And you might not give me everything. But what what is it that the team still needs to do if it seems like you understand yourselves offensively or at least, again, seems like you understand yourself offensively? Um, I think one of the biggest things and I, we talk about it all the time is, you know, we come out of out of the games and we have our foot on the gas. You know, we build ourselves a nice lead. 
And then all of a sudden we just go on cruise control. You know, we oh. take our foot off the gas and it's like, okay, we're going to be okay. Where it's like, I'm con- like, no, we're continuing to press on the gas, you know? So we've had very mi- few games where we've been down and, and it's been good recently where we've been down and I've been able to see how they react, you know, to a little adversity where we've got to come back. Um, you know, so I think that's something that we're still figuring out and I'm hoping with the, the conference tournament, that is the cure for that, where they know the sense of urgency with it. And I uh, will continue to have our foot on the gas the whole game. Well, kind of with that, you're sitting what third in the regional rankings seem like you're in a decent spot. Forgot to look at your SOS. We can look at it in a minute, um, to understand if you're in a good spot by the committee standards so that maybe if you lose, it's not the end of the world for you. And and I and I'm not making any predictions. I mean, 548 SOS, you're probably in good spot for an at-large. But to some degree, we're now at that point in the season where cruise control kills you. Right. Because Absolutely. NCAA, you do that even to what looks like a marginal team who got in because they won their conference. That's the kind of game that ends up creating headlines. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I, you know, I've been encouraging the last, especially the focus point, you know, it's like, hey you know, I, we, we got to keep going. Like we're worried about us, you know, like we've got to have the, the, our foot on the gas the whole time, 40 minutes, you know, there's no, no cruise control now. <laughs> no. How hard though, is that for them to under, to get the message? You know, I, I think they're, they're getting, getting it now, you know, after having those two lo- tough losses back to back, you know, where we had spurts in those games where we played really well. Um, but unfortunately we have all has, we had spurts where we played not so well and that's what lost us the game, you know? So I think they realize, and I think that maybe those two losses is as tough as they were once again, blessing in disguise, because now they know, you know, you're, when you're playing in February, late in February, you're getting everybody's best game. You know, you're, you're, you're the number one team in the conference. Like there, you have a target on your back. And so you have to be able to continue to have your foot on the gas and not have those stretches where we get a little lackadaisical, you know? So I think that taught us. And now with the conference tournament, you know, we were in this position two years ago um, with a lot of young kids that, that, you know, we ended up losing to New Paltz in the conference championship. And they they still have that in the back of their minds. So I think they know it's go time. And um, I'm excited to see how we do react this weekend. Yeah, this weekend you will take on uh, Oneonta in the first game. You beat them 58-39 the last time you played them on the 11th. And you beat them uh, the previous month, 77-65. But to some degree, you got to wash that out the door. What are you expecting from Oneonta? How are you getting ready for them? Yeah, you know, they 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 were the fifth seed. They went to Buff State on Tuesday. And, um, you know, they upset them. They, you know, it was funny, too. Buff State was up on them after the first quarter, 22-7. to And I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, I'm getting my stuff ready for Buff State. And uh, here, you know, Oneonta, they just kept battling. And I think that just shows that how good of a team they are, that they're not going to give up. And they end up winning the game by seven points. Um, you know, but I know the difference between Buff State and Oneonta when comparing the two of who we were going to play. The game tomorrow is going to be a game of execution. You know, they're they're really big. They love to pound the ball inside. They're big all around. Their guards, their posts. Um, you know, so just continuing to, to, you know, drill my kids with guarding their actions and defending and being able to rebound with the size difference. And, uh, but, you know, looking forward to, to going on them a little bit in transition. And, you know, I do think we can, um, out execute them and we got to make some shots. That's the name of the game. Can you afford to look ahead? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That was a, it's a softball coach. <laughs> I mean, I knew the answer before I asked it. I just felt, well, I'll ask it anyway. Um, <laughs> You're, by the way, also chair of the regional committee, and thus you're on the national committee. 
not going to ask you any particulars. We aren't asking uh, Meg uh, Wilson, who's probably texting me frantically right now. I kid. <laughs> she's not. She's got much more better things to do than be talk- listening to me. Um, <laughs> I'm more curious about the experience because we've heard it from the committee chairs. We've heard it from some committee members as well. First off, 10 regions. It's a little more work. Oh, You're yeah. also ranking 30% more teams, which in my books seems insane. I know when you guys got done yesterday, Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know when you got started. I I couldn't Would you like gauge. to know? <laughs> I'm curious. Because uh, yeah. the men got done sooner. And my first thought was, well, oh, they got Michelle McFriends on the women's side. They, you know, they're starting later in the day. <laughs> I get it. Oh, wait, no, they got Doc Esslinger on the men's side. So that's that can't be it. Yeah. It it sounds like it's been maybe more work than everybody anticipated. And that's not a complaint necessarily. It's just the reality. Right. Um, well, first off, yeah, the calls have been really long on the national level. Um, we start our calls at 11 AM. So, um, okay. Yeah, so yes, to be honest long. with you later than I thought you would be, but okay. I mean, right, and I so get 11, it. Michelle's yeah. starting at eight. So I get that. Right. So, you know, it is interesting with the 10 regions and we're ranking 82 teams and yeah. that's a lot, that's a lot of teams. Um, but the experience has been so very eye-opening and it's just, it's, it's crazy what goes into it. You know, I was actually on it two years ago and it was weird. You know, my first year here at Cortland, you know, I I was learning the D3 after spending so many years at the division one level and an opening had come up on the, the, at the time we were the East region, you know, yeah, right. I I would love to be on it just to learn more about it. And then all of a sudden I get an email. It's like, you're the chair. And I'm like, well, I haven't done this before. So I quickly- hey people, got- I come from D1. It means I know nothing about your system. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, that first year in 1920, I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants and I did have an experience rack. So they helped me out. Um, but it, w- it was great. And then obviously last year, not having anything was tough. You know, we didn't have the conference tournament and, or the, excuse me, the national tournament. And a lot of teams weren't playing. We weren't doing the rankings. And yeah. So getting back on it this year, it was like, oh my gosh, two years ago, I had to just kind of get myself going again. And I felt like a beginner. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's so interesting because we all know, right. If we could just figure out numbers, we could just input things and it would give us our, we wouldn't need a committee. You're right. So, um, to go back and forth and it's interesting, um, you know, just the two years that I have been, you know, actually having the rack of the different things that, that, that people can value, you know what I mean? Is it strength of schedule? Is it win loss record? Is it, you know, the ranked wins, is it common opponent and all that? It just, it becomes really interesting. And, you know, I'm fortunate on my committee, I have two coaches and two administrators. So I do think it's a good balance of, of having kind of both perspectives. Um, but it, it's, it's hard. It is not an easy task. Um, you know, we can all go round and round for hours. And, oh, and sure. Um, so at the end of the day, you got to just kind of use, you know, your judgment and, and think, and like I tell my committee, it's like, Hey, our goal is to get as many teams from region three in. So let's have, you know, our top. So when they're compared to other, other teams on the board that we get some more, some more at large bids. I don't want to know the particulars, but I assume as a national committee, you also do go back to those regionals racks and say, hey, listen, good job, but we want you to think this way. And how much do you see that said to another region and then take it back yourself, even if there's no changes on your region? 
Yeah. I do a lot because there is so many questions, you know, so sitting on that call, you know, we obviously deal with a ton of scenarios and we, I think we've done a really good job this year as a national committee to keep it consistent. Like, Hey, this is how we dealt with this region. Like this is the same thing as getting brought up. Let's keep it consistent across the board. And that may, you know, end up being a change um, where you do have to contact your rack or I'll, you know, contact them and like, Hey, we got it right. You know, this is, this is, they, they view it the same way. Um, so I think the big thing is consistency across the board. And, you know, I know we're really trying, Meg's been a great leader in that fact of, Hey, let's, let's keep it consistent. If we're doing this one way, let's, let's do it in another region. Um, curious. And I'm not, this is just a question that I've always wanted to ask. And I finally feel like I got an opportunity and, and I'm not looking to indicate anybody here. I'm just curious. Do you get a sense when you're listening to somebody talk about what they've, what they prioritize? that they're using that priority just because they want to get a particular team in a particular spot. Does that make my, in other words, their argument isn't about what they want to stand on is thinking it's a priority. Their argument's more about, no, I want this team in that spot. Um, I don't think so. Like okay. I've never felt that way in a call. Um, it's, it's, know, it's, it's a complete hypothetical. I'm just curious. Yeah. We've always talked about the old boys network back in the day. And a lot of the right. systems that are in place were to eliminate that. We're 20 years removed. Yeah. I'm just curious if there's ever those kinds of conversations where like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I think anytime when we're just like, we're all looking at the screen, we're all seeing the same information. Yeah. And, you know, it, and some of us are coaches, you know, and to be honest, like when I first got to the committee, you don't know where everybody's from, you know, you don't know the school particular, you know, unless you look at their email address, you know, until you get to know them. Even that's and code breaking. Like, <laughs> right. Right. And then it's like, you know, you may see their team lower or high or whatever, and you don't even realize it, right. That you're right. talking um, because you're, you don't even know what school they're at until you, until you really get to know them. So I've never felt that way. Um, you know, as being on it in two years, I think it's all pretty okay. level-headed. You yeah, know? no, I'm completely curious. Uh, curious. I don't know what I just said. Um, I think I had three thoughts in my head, and they all came together and formed a different sentence. I was just curious. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, we've heard this from others. I'm assuming the reason Cortland's doing so well then, because all the time you're on the committee the last few weeks, is because of Audra and Phil. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. 100%. The, they're, they're the reason. We, we should be talking to them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> By the way, I know you went to Buffalo State, right? Buffalo State? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the Buffalo behind you is still throwing me off. It, 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 I get it, but it's just – so is it for the alma mater or is it for oh, no. the NFL Go Bills. team? Go Bills. Go yeah, Bills. Okay, okay. I'm a, I'm a diehard Bills fan. I didn't see the red and blue, so I just wanted to yep. confirm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Good season. Pretty- I, I'm still, I'm still struggling to be honest. I'm still, still, I, 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 I yeah, still struggling. 13 seconds, 13 seconds. <sighs> yeah. Add it to the list of, of Buffalo kind of tough breaks. Listen, you know? as a diehard Cubs fan who, who has also been a bit of a bears fan in his life. Been there. Yeah. Yeah. I know the pain. The difference yeah. is you were there. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I didn't, I didn't have much time to grieve. I gave myself, um, you know, the day until practice. And then I was like, okay, we gotta, gotta move on. But, um, do you watch the Super Bowl? I did. I did. Because, you know, with, I will admit with Cincinnati, you know, small town market, I was kind of excited for them, you know, and actually their quarterbacks court quarterbacks coach is a Cortland alum. 
Um, so right. I was really rooting for them. And, you know, I'm like, I, I got to watch it. You know, I'm just, I'm a sports person. You're, in, but. you're a fully indoctrinated. Fran has gotten you bleeding red, hasn't he? He does. He does. There, there's yep. no such thing as your former alma mater. There's no such thing as anything else. You are Cortland through and through. Yeah. Cortland, I have quickly learned, is a very special place. And <laughs> it is. So. That is saying it lightly. And I mean that in all genuine, I, I mean that. <laughs> so much uh it is a special place uh listen i appreciate the time i appreciate you humoring me by the way congratulations you've been there a few short years and Cortland has come out blazing since you've been there that's pretty impressive to say the least um not easy to do especially at a suniac school so congratulations good luck the rest of the way i i won't have you re revisit new paltz and buffalo state games um okay i i appreciate that we'll be kind to you though i am curious (laughs) really curious but we'll let it go as always you let the guests have the final word any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in no just thanks for having me on dave always always a pleasure appreciate uh going back and forth and um yeah thanks absolutely uh i would say get some sleep this weekend but that won't happen so we'll see you in april uh sleeping maybe yeah yeah absolutely awesome (laughs) jc take care of yourself thanks so much for the time and we'll talk to you soon thanks bye-bye she's jc brooks head coach of Cortland. And team, again, doing really well. 20-4 and four on the season. We got Suni Onyata coming up in the conference playoffs. We'll take a break. When we come back, Penn State Baron women's basketball coach Kristen Van Hook joins us. Talk about her team. Talk about the season. But more importantly, um, the fact that they're fostering, she and her husband, four children, and the story behind that. You listen to Hoops. It's a wonderful story. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. want to thank our partners, of course, at the NABC. and We should have been thanking them uh, a while ago, but, you know, sometimes we just forget the easy stuff. But the NABC has been such an important member of, of, of our work and what we do, and we really appreciate their efforts. So, while I stall for a second just to get my read up, and the National Association of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and the coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division Three coaches who impact our game for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, head to nabc.com. We'll be back with more Hoopsville after this. NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. 
and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division Three level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Welcome back to Hoopsville as we roll along on the show. We're heading into a third hour, running a little bit behind, so we're going to get things moving here. Still ahead, Penn State Baron women's basketball coach Chris uh, Christine Van Hook, also Oberlin women's basketball coach Stephanie Dunmeyer will join us. And we'll also head out to the West Coast and talk to UC Santa Cruz women's basketball coach Todd Kent. But we'll start with Baron women's basketball coach Christine Van Hook. Uh, the team is 20-4 and four overall. They are vying for a conference title in the AMCC as the top dog in that conference at 14-2. and two. Uh, Tied with LaRoche, though they're on the road against LaRoche, or on the road at LaRoche for the tournament. They'll play Pitt-Greensburg coming up on Friday in the semifinals. But there's more going on for Christine Van Hook. If you remember, she was on our show, was scheduled to be on our show last week and couldn't make it, um, unfortunately. But we had a chance to finally catch up with her because she fosters four children. And that story caught my attention more than the coaching. And she took the time to join us earlier today on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of Penn State, Baron. It is Christine Van Hook. Coach, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Excited to be here. I yeah, and listen, finding time, I know on your schedule is busy, so uh we appreciate anything you could do. Glad to get you on. Team's having an outstanding season by any definition. Uh started the season with a loss, which you know, half the teams do. Uh <laughs> and then from there you've rolled along uh a loss to Trine, which obviously isn't a bad opponent necessarily, <laughs> and a yeah. couple losses in conference. But I mean, that's the hard numbers from your perspective. How has it been? Yeah, I that first loss of the season, I feel like fueled our tank a little bit. Um, I think we need a little bit of a wake up call because I have the experience. I have the big senior class of five and I think we were walking the season like wanting to be good this year and wanting to win our conference. So to get knocked down our first game was kind of like, oh, OK. Yeah. Um, and it just motivated everybody a little bit more. And I mean, just like you said, we had our next loss was trying and they're a great team. So feel like we grew a lot from that loss and from there we we were able to roll after that in our conference and then got those two losses in the second round to the other two top teams in our conference which again feel like the timing of it was again we we kind of needed it sometimes we get a little cocky when we're winning and those losses kind of fuel us again to to remind us that we're not quite where we need to be oh I've heard that from a few schools uh, right. over in my years uh, of course a game against trying uh, you also got COVID there. Uh, one game yeah. in Nashville didn't get that second one. Yeah, uh, somewhat of a common theme for a lot of teams. Uh, even worse than that. But how yeah. is it to deal with that? Because you had the one game, you lose that one game. You don't get a chance to immediately kind of go out there and avenge yourselves. Not yeah. granted, not against trying, but against another opponent. You got to wait. Jeez, it was about ten days before you could play your next game. Yeah, that that's what that was pretty hard because we knew it was going to be tough competition against trying, but then we knew the next game we'd be able to use what we learned from going against them. So when we didn't have that, it was 
I mean, we left the trying game pretty positive, knowing what we learned from it and knowing the level that we could play at. So I think, honestly, it, it fueled them in a good way. So we weren't feeling it as much. It just would have been nice to follow up with another game that we we could have hopefully won. Yeah. Pitt Bradford, I know they're not having a great season this year, but they ended up being on the other receiving end uh, of you guys a little yeah. miffed uh, with yeah. a pretty solid win there. I mean, that's always good out of the gate. But yeah. as you said, can can you also worry that that will give you a little bit of overconfidence? And and how much have you dealt with that this year? Yeah, for sure. That's some of the teams like a Pitt Bradford, um, where they're not as skilled this year. We we hope to go into it, and I think the the focus this year was playing our level, our game, every game, no matter who the opponent is. So showing up every day for practice and and playing to our standard was just something that we tried to be consistent. And now we definitely drop below our standards a few games. So um, going against those lower level teams, we tried to, we just tried to have that focus of our game, our pace, our way, no matter who we're playing, whether it's a top team or a lower team, just trying to keep, and that's, that's hard. That's hard to do. I know a lot of coaches struggle with it when you're playing someone lower, like how to, how to maintain that. Well, the other thing too, is it seems like in your losses, all of them, but one have been double digits. They haven't been quote unquote close. Granted, every loss is a little bit different. It's not just a straight number. Um, but it almost seems like when you guys are on, you're, you're having a really good year, but if you're off, yeah, (laughs) you're off. I mean, there's, there's no margin there. No, those, those losses felt bad. It wasn't (laughs) like we, we played a good game and they just beat us. Right. They, they felt like we played terrible basketball. We didn't play our game. Nothing was falling. We forgot the scout apparently. Like it was a lot. It felt bad, those losses. And that's, yeah, when we were not on and not clicking well as a team playing as one, it definitely, it definitely showed with the, with the double digit loss. Well, yeah. I mean, you beat LaRoche by 20 back on the 12th of January, then lose by 10 back on the 16th of February. You beat Greensburg by five on the 17th of January and you lose by 15 on the second. Obviously those are ups and downs you don't want to afford, especially right now you're heading in, to another round of this of, of this tournament, you've got Pitt Greensburg. You're at LaRoche. Yeah. Um, this is that point where you can't afford that down. So how do yeah. you try and remind the team or or give the team the motivation that this is not the time to take yeah, that down? Absolutely. And that's what we kind of had that talk at practice yesterday of like, you know what you have to do. So there's no more, if we don't do it, let's learn from it. Like we have to do our stuff. We have to... Like I was working with the post specifically yesterday and I was like, you guys know exactly what you need to do and your strengths and how to finish and where we get our shots offensively. Like there's no more like, oh, well, next game we'll be better at making sure we're doing that. Like there's no more next game if we don't do it tomorrow. And that's, I'm able to put that pressure because we have an older team. I feel like they're responding well to that. So that's, that's it. Like we're going at them again. We split with them. Like we have to play our game. There's no more like, well, if we don't play our game, we'll learn from it because if we don't play our game, well, we're not going to win it. Yeah, I mean, you can learn from it for the next season. Or if you're a senior, yeah. when you go into the business place or your pickup yeah. basketball game or something, because really it is for you guys, as great as the season is, at 20 wins and, and looking you know strong, this very likely – I mean, there's no at-large look here at all. Yeah. It doesn't it, – there's no sense of that. So if yeah. you don't win this, it's done. The season's over. Yeah. And, and that's that can bring with it a lot of pressure as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, I think, again, having an older team, the pressure's good. Um, they're they're ready to go. Playoff pressure is good for this team, but there is, 
there is that, like, this is literally it. Like we have to play our game. There's no more. And we just say like, I play nine deep. So like playing as one, anybody on that court is able to help us win a game. So nobody needs to put the, uh, put the team on their back. Everybody just needs to go in remembering our game, remembering our game plan and playing our game so that we can keep going. Because if not, like you just said, like it's over. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, yeah, three of your do something seniors. with it. Yes, exactly. Three of your seniors are leading the team in scoring. They're three of the four players who are in double figures. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Kara Haslett, uh, Caitlin Carnouche. Carnucci. Uh, Carnucci. Ah, a little fun. Uh, Elena Dibble. Uh, yep. Those those three, 14 points, 13.9, 12.2 per contest. Um, uh, Dibble, nine rebounds a game on top of that. Haslett, five, uh, four and a half assists per game. Um, and Carnucci certainly contributing in many ways as well. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of others. I want to talk about that trio. Essentially, you talk about that senior group, which also includes uh, Kakaro and Seaman. Yeah, Mia Kukaro and Seaman. Yeah. Oh, Kukaro. Oh, see, I'm just botching names everywhere. It's all good. We like to do that. Um, but those that trio, obviously, in scoring and in rebounding and assists and all that, they're, they're obviously the ones that are the key to the cog to some degree. How important is it to make sure they're having good nights? Yeah, I mean, we need them to have good nights to be playing our best basketball. They they understand our system better than anybody. They're able to, um, they understand their shots and they're good at hitting their shots offensively, defensively. They bring the communication and energy. So those three are huge for our game plan kind of rolling out and working. And that's, we've been talking a lot. We sit down and watch a lot of film just so they're even learning more. Like even at this point in the season, they know what their shots are. They know what they should be doing and just making sure they're seeing the shots that they maybe shouldn't be taking and these shots that are their strengths. So to remind them what they should be doing, but also to pull the brakes, push the brakes a little bit on what they shouldn't be doing. And we're still doing that going into the playoffs. So they're, they're so ready. I just saw one of them and she said, can we play today? So they're, they're ready. Those three are, are definitely leading the pack and mentally and everything. They're, they're ready to go. Pace yourself. Pace yourself. We still got another day. Here, right. right? Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't use it up too soon. Uh, yeah. You've got a freshman, though, that's also contributing in a major way. Rachel Majewski. Uh, I probably butched that one, too. It's Ten points. Majewski, but... <laughs> Majewski, Majewski. Well, the wife is a Jesk, but I also seen Jusk, so I, I don't always yep. assume anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's also obviously contributing in other ways as well. But, I mean, 10.3 points per game, shooting 43% from the floor. That, that's that got to be not only great for the future, but it's got to be a great release valve for those other three. Yeah, absolutely. She she is consistently bringing us points, and she is a very aggressive offensive player. So it's been those extra points that we need so those three don't have to have a huge game, right? They don't have to have a, a 20, 25-point game for us to win win the bigger games. They, they can keep doing their 14, 12, um, 13 points because we know Rachel's going to bring us those other 10 as well. So it's been a big relief for them, but it's also just been huge for our offense of – who are you? Who are you trying to slow down? Because you try to slow down one of them, the other one's just going to pick up those points. Uh, tell me about the other two seniors. That uh, what only jumps out of me that surprised me a little is that as forwards, that's what they're listed. Yeah, there's there's not more points or more rebounds. But then again, you know the other ones certainly take a lot of that attention away too. Yeah, absolutely. My other two seniors, they're they are they're honestly good. They, they do our stuff well. They're really good role players. Um, both of them have started for me at some point within their four years here. And I have that other freshman post that kind of took that starting spot and they've just been coming off the bench, but to bring the experience, the leadership off the bench, they know our stuff, they know their strengths. 
Um, Ashley can hit some shots and Mia is very strong inside. So defensively she's there and she can give us some points here and there. So they, they bring that consistency that we need. And it's important to have that coming off the bench that we don't necessarily drop in talent. It might drop in points a little bit, but they're able to get out there, give people breaks and then get them back in. Yeah. The other freshman is Alexis and we're going to stop butchering last names. Uh, you can fill in that gap for me, 5.7 points per game. Uh, but she's played all, but, or started all, but one game, obviously that one being a senior day, I'm quite sure. Mm -hmm. Um, again, another freshman intermixing with seniors and giving you not only great future, but obviously an interesting dynamic on the floor. Yeah, for sure. She, she came in and honestly, she kind of surprised us. She grew very quickly into our system. I thought it would take a little bit longer than she did, but her work ethic is there and she learns very quickly. Um, Defensively, she's leading our conference in blocks. So um, she's a big force out there that we have with her length and her, that's what she does well. So defensively, it's good to have that consistency out there too. Again, we don't have her out there for the points. We have everybody else scoring. So her job is to play good defense, be good help defense, get those rebounds. And she, she does the job well. And yeah, the future, her game has grown so much this year. I'm so excited to see how much she grows and the player that she grows into these next four. He shoots 53% from the floor. doesn't take a lot of outside threes, but can hit them. And then two blocks per contest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not not shabby. Uh, six rebounds a game, too. Second on the team in that category. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to forget Brianna Dean. She's in the mix there. Uh, amongst everybody we talked about, uh, one of those other nine that you said you certainly go deep into. Uh, Dean, yeah. certainly contributor. It, listen, it's an interesting dynamic. But we, again, talked about playing uh, to the teams that are maybe a little bit down. The AMCC, let's be blunt, hasn't really been the strongest um, uh, building block, as it were, at least this season or in history. And now you're heading into games not only that matter, but should you win the conference, you're heading into the NCAA tournament and everybody's good at the NCAA tournament. How do you, and obviously you can probably rely on the trying game a little bit, but how much do you get the team kind of focused on understanding we need to execute to an nth degree because while this looks good now, that's not going to compare next week should we be there. Yes, absolutely. We do go back to that trying game quite often to be able to relate to the level of play that they played and that we weren't able to play that game consistently. And we remind ourselves and I remind them of, again, like our standard and in raising it every day when it comes to how we are playing our game. And again, like these games in our conference are big games, but then hopefully we win and we're in the NCAA tournament. Like it's just going to be another level that we necessarily haven't gone against all season. So we just, we try to push each other even harder at practice, even if it's not the style that we're about to play, like we need to be pushing each other harder to get our standard higher. So that when we are going against those great teams that we, we at least know what that feels like. And we're not completely thrown off of, wow, we've never seen this type of play before. Yeah. Cause who knows where you're in a perfect spot in the country to be shipped almost anywhere. I mean, you can go up into New York, you can come off to the East coast somewhere, especially at 600 miles now. Yeah. Um, heck, maybe even New England. I haven't done that math yet. That's an interesting idea. But you could, and obviously, you can head west. You you, yeah. you head down into Kentucky. There's a lot of places, but that means you're probably going to get a very good team. And again, we're making the assumption you got to go out and win the AMCC. Yeah, I'm, I'm not taken away from that, but it yeah. may be our only chance to kind of talk about that. I know yeah. it's an all comers type thing. I know it's all about the experience, but it can be daunting too. Do you try and start preparing for that on the mental side? well enough in advance or is it listen we'll cross that bridge when we get there 
Yeah, we're definitely in the mindset of we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And we haven't won the AMCC since I've been here. So yeah. that has been our, our focus since the beginning of this year. We set goals out and the goal is to win the AMCC championship. So um, we get there, we'll definitely cross the bridge of what we're going to do to attack the first round of the tournament. Because this right now of, of just building this program up and, and keep, again, raising that standard. And right now the standard is hopefully going to be set that we're that we're winning a conference championship. So then we can build off of that to then be better going into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you got hired. You've had uh, two winning seasons since you got on board. And but building because uh, the last one was 1920. Uh, we always say that and it sounds weird 2019, 2020, mm-hmm. uh, 17 and 11 year. And you're building from that, obviously, having not played last year. Yeah. Um, so obviously, that build has been there. Mm-hmm. You also kind of know the area. You're a Grove City graduate. You, you also had some time at Waynesburg. You've had some mm-hmm. assistant coaching in that area. How much has knowing the area helped in recruiting? How much has it helped in retention and all of that stuff? Yeah, it's been it's been huge. That's I grew up a little north of Pittsburgh as well, so up and down Western Pennsylvania, and that's that's where I'm recruiting from. Pittsburgh's obviously a big deal, and where I get a lot of my recruits from. Um, Waynesburg helped me dive into that world a lot. Sam Jones helped me figure out the recruiting world and learn Pittsburgh a little bit more. And then just coming up here, I was at Grove City for a year after that, and then I obviously got the job up here. So I know the area pretty well, and that's been that's been very good for the recruiting. And now with the success that we've had, people know our names, people know that people that have graduated out of here, my five seniors, three of them are from Pittsburgh. So we're, we're getting our name out there now and it's making, yeah, recruiting and just being out there a little easier. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we should point out Barron is just outside Erie. It's like right in that little corner that Pennsylvania touches a lake. Yes. Uh, otherwise there isn't much to talk about lake wise. Um, <laughs> and you're, you're kind of in an interesting triangle because you got buffalo to the northeast cleveland to the southwest pittsburgh to the south and again you're you're a state school so does that as you were saying does that limit you really to the state and so that's a very kind of small little section or can you go out of state and get interest yeah we we can it's definitely a little harder my main focus is in state the tuition is cheaper in state and it's a little more familiar with our school and selling the Penn State name. But our school has done a really good job over the last, like my eight years here, I can speak for, of getting better at how can we get out-of-state students. So we we definitely are, have been able to get into Ohio and New York a lot more with Buffalo and Cleveland being so close. We're able to um, just attract out-of-state students a little bit more because financially it's more money. So the school in general has been doing a good job of helping us to be able to kind of close that gap of in-state, out-of-state. So now we definitely are getting better at getting out-of-state. It's just not as comfortable or as rewarding right now as in-state has been. Make sure you recruit not during the winter. I'm just a thought on that lake. Right. That's (laughs) going to be brutal sometimes. Yes, that's... The snow is ridiculous. Sometimes we just buckle down and get out of here to get to a recruiting game. We're like, as soon as we get past the snow belt, we're good. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Granted, it can skip over a little bit too. It's kind of a wonky yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, a lot on the line. We appreciate it. We missed out on having you last week because you're not just busy coaching. Yeah. We got word of this and you mentioned it a little bit on air. You foster children as well, which is just hands down amazing. But can, no, can you... Did I hear right? You have four? <laughs> we do. My husband and I have four kids and they're four and under. Oh, Lord, coach. Listen. Yep. <laughs> I, 
I want to congratulate you and thank you and, and all of that, but I also think you're a little bit off the crazy if you got four <laughs> under four. I mean, listen. Not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you just give yeah. us a little bit of the background too? Uh, what what inspired you to do that? What inspired you to go down that road? And, and, and well, yeah. how did four become enough? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> my husband. And I have always wanted to foster. Um, we didn't really know when that would be in our lives. We just knew we wanted to provide a, a safe home for kids that needed it, no matter if it was for a short period of time or a long period of time. And then COVID kind of hit and I blame COVID because we were bored, right? <laughs> like I didn't have my season. Wow. Um, <laughs> my husband's a city of Erie firefighter. So he works a 24 hour shift and has three days off. And we were just sitting there like, we're just ready for our homes to be filled. Right. Like, <laughs> okay. So, but I mean, you went in deep. We did. That's we, we said yes to one at first, which was the one little girl we have. Um, and we, ended up having her for three months. And then she went to a cousin's home. So they found a cousin that was interested in her. So when she was away, we ended up saying yes to a sibling group of three. Um, it was a God thing. I don't know why we said yes. Like it was very much just like they needed a home. I don't know why we were okay. They were eight months, 18 months and three. And we said yes. And like, we never think like it's going to be that long either. Like foster care, you hear all the time how they're just there for like a little bit and yeah. they're going back. Um, it's been a year and we still have them. <laughs> we had, And then we got three weeks later, we got a call that the cousin was no longer able to care for the little girl. So then we ended up getting her back because we obviously said yes. We weren't going <laughs> to say no because we were devastated when she left. Right. Um, we recently adopted her. So we have, oh, cool. yeah, she is, she's officially ours. So we adopted her and the other three are still foster and we, yeah, we got a full house. <laughs> Listen, not, I'm not knocking religion anyway, but God's sitting up there right now going, I right, don't bring me into this mess. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, yeah. I gave you one, you said <laughs> yes to three more. That's yeah, not on me. Yes to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, our life is crazy, but I mean, my husband and I wanted to do it and we, we have a really good calendar and <laughs> we. Well, have a speaking of which, how in the world you're in the middle of basketball season, we found yeah. a niche to find, Time to talk with you obviously makes sense. And I understand yeah. completely why last week uh, fell through. But yeah. you just said your your husband works 24 hour and then three day off. I get I get the shift. Yeah. That means there's at least a couple days a week where he's not around to help you. You've got yeah. four. And oh, by the way, you're a basketball coach yeah. for a college team who's right now in the playoffs. Yeah. Where's the balance? And I'm not trying to say you there isn't any. And where's the help? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, it, it definitely takes a village and figuring out the balance this year has been an adjustment because I haven't had to do this before. Um, I have a gracious husband who <laughs> we are in this together and we have a wonderful babysitter that helps out, especially on the days when he's not around. Like when I have a game and he's on shift, I'm like, so who wants to watch the kids while I'm coaching real quick? Like, right. Right. So that's, we, we have some wonderful help. My family lives nearby. His family's only an hour away. So we, we definitely have a village that jumps in as soon as we need them on those busy days, but I'm quite sure he is, goes the shift and goes, Oh, he does 24 yes, hours. He does. He does. Now, if I could get no alarms, it'd be great. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's I'm funny. not knocking it. Obviously. I think it's amazing. And I know he's on board or he wouldn't have said yes in the first place. I think, I think he wouldn't have said <laughs> I, I don't know that for sure. Yeah. My wife roped me into having kids a little bit sooner than I was ready for with a really good argument that backfired. 
uh, on me. Always, okay. My husband okay. has always said just he wasn't going to take in a sibling group. And I told him we're always going to have five because that's a starting lineup of a basketball team. So You're right now wife. we have four. <laughs> my wife said to me while we were dating, she's like, I'd love to have a small football team. And I literally said to her flat, dead face. I went, you might want to find somebody else. <laughs> There's no small football team coming right? from me. I, that's not ideal to me. And small yeah. basketball team. No, not even that. Yep. We got one yep. of each. I'm happy. We just added a puppy. We're good. Okay. <laughs> We're good. I can listen. And, and she's talked about fostering. I'm not trying to go too in depth, but yeah, I, I'm, I'll admit that's to me a very scary venture and it's not it scary is. because of who you might get. I, I'm not worried about that. I, I'm sure we could figure out how to handle it. It's more about yeah. the unknowns. There's yeah. so many unknowns and you just said it. You might have them for X amount of weeks, then lose them. Then you might get a call again. Yeah. Uh, they might ask you to host three. They may ask you to host four. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. How? Tell me a little bit about what drove you to want to do it, if you don't mind. And yeah. and and how do you handle those unknowns? So I realize the call, the phone calls probably aren't coming right now for any more unknowns. Yeah. But how do you handle that? Yeah, absolutely. And we knew that going into it that it was going to be uncomfortable and hard, honestly, especially emotionally. Um, but we didn't want that to stop us from, from providing, like if we're just going to be emotional and life's going to be hard, like compared to what these kids are going through, um, we knew that it was going to be worth it. And I mean, our faith is very important to us and we just feel like it is, it is all in God's control and knowing that when we're, when we're not understanding the circumstances and overwhelmed by the unknown that, I mean, it's his plan and we're kind of just there to, to be that safe home for them. And that's what we remind ourselves of the days that it is really hard. And when they took the little girl away from us that we wanted to keep forever, like we just sat there and we're like, we were supposed to be a safe place for her for a limited amount of time. And that's, that's what we were called to do. And it was hard, but we knew that that's, that's what we were called for. So, um, I don't really have an answer because it is hard. Like, it's not ever not going to be hard, but we just know that we want to be that place for them because they don't they don't have that and that destroys our hearts. So we we feel like the what we're doing for them overrides the emotional roller coaster that we kind of go on sometimes. Uh, amazing perspective. Again, I don't know God well. There's an outside chance he's maybe disagreeing with your advantage that he said go for it. But yeah. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. I just yeah. think he's laughing. Yeah. Uh, and, but he's also appreciative. And I know that's important. You, you've got to have something that drives you, whether it's God, whether it's yes. something else in you that drives Absolutely. you to make those kinds of decisions and, and, and put that kind of time and effort into it. So uh, hats Absolutely. off to you guys both and, and hats Thank off you. on also being a coach on top <laughs> of all of that. Uh, I'm sure. I always say, I feel like I have 18 kids this year. 14 yeah, I was going to say, four at home. <laughs> there's probably times you feel overwhelmed. There's also probably times you're like, this basketball team ain't nothing. This, right? uh, I can handle <laughs> <Right>? this. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perspective. Uh, coach, really appreciate the time. Obviously, you're D3 through and through. Didn't get a chance to really dive into that, but we'll do that some other time. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously play D3, coach in D3 and, and all yeah. about D3. Um, yeah. But more important, I wanted to talk about the, the, the fostering, which is pretty impressive. And uh, I appreciate the time. I know you're busy. Uh, I know you got important games to get ready for. So we appreciate all the time you gave us. We always have a, a tradition on the show. We give the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I mean, I, I do bleed D3. I think it's a great place. I think it's a great level. I think the game of basketball has poured so much into me. And I'm excited to give it back to the game. 
Well, I appreciate the time and uh, you're giving back in many ways. And it's pretty impressive to say the least, Mm -hmm. uh, despite my tongue in cheek. Uh, I do. I do appreciate what you're doing and your husband's doing and uh, good luck with everything, including the season still ahead of you all. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road and take care. Thank you. She is uh, Coach Van Hook from Penn State Barron. Well, once again, thank Coach uh, Van Hook for finding time to join us. Incredible work that she's doing as a foster mom, along with her husband. Four kids. Pretty darn impressive. They are 20-4 and overall as Barron. 14-2 and in conference play. They will be playing Pittsburgh at LaRoche uh, tomorrow. That's Friday if you're listening on the podcast or on demand. Uh, Look forward to seeing how they turn out from there. Thank her for her time. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Oberlin women's basketball coach Stephanie Dunmire joins us. Listen to Hoops, show presented by D3Hoops.com. Thanks to the WBCA for their assistance on our show as well. Back with more after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us. To look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander to step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to stop stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs, no private jets, no fan clubs, no Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoops on the supersized edition of the show. We still got two more segments left to go in this three-hour monster. Oberlin women's basketball coach Stephanie Dunmire coming up here momentarily, and we'll talk to UC Santa Cruz women's basketball coach Todd Kent as well. Quick note, we're following scores. We'll give you some updates coming up, but a really crazy note, the NJAC women's basketball has had so many upsets that the sixth seed, New Jersey City, will be hosting the championship game this weekend. Yeah, you heard that right. The NJCU, as the sixth seed, will be in its second uh, conference championship game in as many years, and they're hosting the game. There's been some upsets, and that's what we'll talk plenty more about down the road. 
Switch to the NCAC. Not all, often do we go back to back in region or with the same gender, but we are today as we stay in region seven to talk to Oberlin women's basketball coach Stephanie Dunmire. Team is 21 and three overall, 13 and three in conference play, playing really well. And Stephanie's made a huge impact because of their travel heading out to DePaul for their semifinals, something that I kind of botched in late in the interview. We did chat with coach uh, earlier today as she was kind enough to join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is Stephanie Dunmire, the head coach of Oberlin, who is having a bang-up season, 21-3, and three, coach. We'll talk about the particulars of that in a bit, but you have got to be thrilled with the, the season you guys have had. Obviously, talk details later, but overall, that this is pretty darn good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're just honestly so excited and grateful to be playing this year. So after last season, you know, as a college, I think we made the, the best decision for our college community and, and overall, and we did not have a competitive season and didn't play any outside competition. So, um, you know, we were still able to practice and train as a team three times a week and use up those NCAA, NCAA days. Um, we had a three-term academic like year. So we had our juniors that weren't on campus in the fall, our sophomores weren't there in the spring, but then they were there in the summer. So we actually got to work with them through July, um, July 1st there. And, you know, so it was, it was a different year, but I think we were able to continue to, to connect as a team, to be a support system through very challenging times and build on our culture, focus a lot on recruiting, obviously. And, um, you know, to be able to jump out on the court this year. And I think it had been 623 days since we had played when we first got back on the court. And obviously we played that up and, and having the opportunity to get out there and, and just take advantage of it. Well, and you're already, you've already tied this, the school record in terms of wins that came back in 21, eight back in the uh, 2017, 2018 season under uh, coach Jenkins. Yeah. Um, so with a bang, but I think what's even more impressive with the bang is you talk about all the time, not being able to play, et cetera. Your first season, nine and 17. I mean, this is a, a literal 180 degree flip with all those challenges you had in the middle, your expectations couldn't have been that high. Yeah. I mean, I thought we would be able to compete, but yeah, there was, there was still just a question. It's like, gosh, we haven't even played. Like how are the, you know, I, yeah. we thought we had a great class coming in, you know, our, our sophomores this year, a great class, you know, we'd have 11 kids in those two classes that nobody had seen basically when we jumped on the court. Um, but yeah, we've exceeded the expectations, you know, from the start of the season, but it's after that first game, um, we played Alma, a really strong Alma team. And, um, you know, one of our sophomores, Gina Lombard, just kind of took over at the end and, and went off. I think she finished with 27 or 29. And I think it was that, that like, we really believed, you know, I think made plays and it just kind of shifted things to be like, wait a minute, you know, we really maybe could be really good and stuff. And so I think that kind of just shifted maybe even the thoughts of what could be, um, but yeah, it's been a fun year and just a great group. We have three seniors that just have bought in since the moment um, I stepped on campus and Maureen Hurt, I'm the best associate head coach in, in the country. I'm convinced of it. Um, you know, she's just been awesome. And I think those three seniors, you know, just really have been on board with whatever we've asked them to do in terms of building our culture and, and connection in our team. And I think it's, it's shown this year. It there's all kinds of interesting nuggets about this team. Again, you talk about the 11 players who no one had ever seen, but your starting group essentially includes two first years. Uh, it includes two sophomores and then it includes a senior and you're still having this kind of season. And I'm not saying that you start that lineup, you shouldn't have in a successful season, but I can totally see how that just doesn't come together as well as starting the season on what was it? A eight game winning streak 
and winning a whole mess of games before you lost your second. That's really impressive, especially as you said, not a lot of practice last year. Yeah. I mean, this group has been, you know, one thing I think with having that many young kids too, is that the energy they bring and um, to, to practice every single day, you know, they're not as beat up as those seniors who seem a lot older than they really are in terms of just their bodies and, and everything that they've been through in their four years and stuff. But um, you know, I think just, that fight, that competitiveness and every day in practice, pushing people forward. And, you know, they knew they were going to kind of get thrown to the fire from the start. And so it was just, um, you know, getting out there and, and really learning from experience. And, you know, I think that's still where we are seeing some of the the differences and the games that we have lost, you know, I think um, obviously two to DePaul and they have just four tremendous seniors. And I think there's been times when it's like, okay, yeah, that leadership, that experience, that maturity, um, definitely the difference in the game. And, you know, but it's so great to be able to match up with a team like that and, and see where we're at and stuff at this point. Yeah, I mean, two losses to DePaul, but I mean, well, first off, low scoring affairs. So yeah. kind of your defensive scheme, but DePaul not afraid to play that way either. But a five-point loss in one, mm-hmm. which was your first loss of the season, and a 10-point loss in the other, you're in those games. So those, right. you're clearly at, I don't want to say that level. That's a weird way of saying it, but you're, you're clearly at a point where you can compete, Mm -hmm. but what do you take from those games now that you head into the conference tournament? And you now of course play an Ohio Wesleyan team that did trip you up as well. That's one of those, those losses. Mm -hmm. Can you take anything from those games and help at this point? It seems like a crazy question. Are those games just those games and you got to come in with a fresh mindset? Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked a lot about it being a new season, but obviously learning from, you know, those games is huge. And even in that moment, how we responded to adversity, I think there's there's times within the flow because we hadn't seen a, a ton of it in games. We didn't have a lot of close matchups in some of our games. So I think those were all really good. And, and sometimes we responded really well and sometimes we didn't respond really well and, and we kind of broke apart a little bit. And I think our, our, our players recognize that. And, you know, in our most recent close game, like I think they made a really good adjustment, but, um, but yeah, two different styles there too. Obviously like Ohio Wesleyan is going to just throw different defenses at us tomorrow and their pace, um, you know, with deposit been a very physical, like grinded out matchup, but um, definitely want to learn from it. But at the same time with this conference tournament, we know it's a new season and, and what happened in the regular season really doesn't matter at all at this point. You guys are in an interesting situation. Again, pretty much a record season, one win and it's in it. And it's definitely a record and get to the conference championship game, but you're not in a situation, despite all that right now, it doesn't appear that an at large hope is there. I mean, there's, that means you're going to have to win. The SOS is, is apparently at least the old data of 491. Uh, we can look at what it might be as you and I are talking. Uh, it looks like it's a 475. So it's not helping you there. Right. It's unfortunate. I get it. But do you guys, does the team appreciate that despite an excellent win-loss percentage, you still need to go win? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's been kind of the case in the NCAC for a while. I mean, definitely it's something that we're looking to shift in terms of our non-conference schedule. Um, you know, there were just a lot of unknowns this year, but I think, sure. you know, we, we played some quality teams, and but I think we can get some, some better matchups next year and some teams that are going to um, push that out-of-conference, non-conference SOS up for us. Obviously, we can't always control – conference, you know, I mean, we can't control our conference stuff, but, um, you know, I, th- I think our kids understand that we have to, we have to win it. Like that's the mindset. And just from a historical standpoint in the NCAC right now, unless DePaul loses, you know, I don't, we're not going to get an at large. And I, I think that's kind of, you know, 
just unfortunately the the facts right now. Well, obviously it's it's not easy, and, and but at least you know the road is out there. Right. It, it may right. not be a surprise. Not to be at all regionally ranked did catch me a little surprised. That said, that region's loaded. We yeah. know that. There's hope. There's yeah. trying. There's DePaul. Um, yeah. Who else was regionally ranked? Just to quickly mention. Oh, of course. Uh, hope. We mentioned that. Uh, Baldwin Wallace. We Marietta. At, we were at seven last week, and I think right. we dropped to nine this week. So, yeah. Yep. You're sitting in the nine hole, which is, you know, yep. a lot of teams being ranked. That's uh, what we yeah. wouldn't have seen you ranked in the past if we right. had old numbers. Let's talk about this team a little bit individually. Mm-hmm. Um, you got two players in Camille. I'm not going to say Camille's last name, right? Zanich. Zanich. I love it, yep. actually. Yep. <laughs> uh, and Brianna Woodward. I can say that. Um, Woodward's leading the team in scoring, but mm-hmm. she and Camille are top of the conference in shooting percentages. Yep. Both of them shooting better than 52%. Again, first years. Mm-hmm. Is it just that they've got a different mentality or they were able to play some high school coming in? What, what is it about them that is clicking so well that they could be that good, especially in the NCAC? Yeah, I mean, they're both tremendous players. I mean, they both bring different things to the court. But, um, I mean, we knew and and during the recruiting process that they were going to be immediate impact kids. Um, again, I think – you know, they've run with it. Bree is our starting five player and is just a dominant back to the basket post player. People have to double her. People have to prepare differently. And then Camille is really unique in that she actually played point guard for her high school. Um, so her vision and just passing ability and, you know, finding people is is really unique to a player of her strength. And, and um, you know, she's a 5'10", like just a strong forward. And that's what she played for her AAU team and stuff. So we play her at the four. Um, but you know, very much if she gets a rebound, she's busting out and, and leading the break for us and stuff. So yeah, they're, they're very talented players. Um, you know, that I think, you know, Brianna's done a, just a tremendous job too, from a leadership standpoint and, um, just such a great teammate, you know, I think it just is every day, someone that people are looking to even as that first year. So it's, it's really fun to see, and it's been fun to see their growth. Um, but again, being able to have the ability to, put that many young kids on the court and get this experience has been a lot of fun. Uh, Bree's numbers, again, pretty, pretty impressive. 15 points a game, five and a half rebounds per game, uh, leads the team in blocks at about block and a half a game at a 37 total shoots almost 53% from the floor. Uh, but then you jump to Camille and, and you talk about the former point guard. And it kind of stands out a little bit. First off, she's got a double, double it's 11.7 points per game and 10.2 rebounds yeah. per contest. And then you throw in 4.3 assists per contest and about two steals per game. She's also second on the team in blocks uh, at 14 total. Again, first year. I mean, that, those are numbers I expect to see out of a senior that has kind of grown within within the program. Yeah, and she's actually had two triple-doubles this year, which is, oh. um, I mean, our overtime game earlier in the year against Kenyon, I think she had 21 points, 16 boards, 13 assists, or something ridiculous, you know? So, um, I mean, it's... It's fun how much she can fill up a stat sheet, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, just we rely on her from the start. And, you know, it's been just a coach's dream to be able to have so many young kids, you know, that are contributing and, and making those plays for us and stuff, for sure. Well, by the way, there's other players on this team. Uh, yeah. Gina Lombard, second <laughs> on the team in scoring, 12.5 points a game, four rebounds per contest. Uh, she's second on the team in assists. 
Um, well, what about three three assists per contest? You guys certainly share the ball a lot. Tell me a little bit about Lombard, and then there's Jefferson and and Spanier and the rest. Jefferson's also got double digits in scoring at ten and a half. Give me a taste of those players and how they kind of add to the to the first years that we've been talking about. Yeah, Gina's the the player that makes us go. You know, from an offensive standpoint, just her understanding of the game, and you know, she's that coach on the floor. Um, again, set the tone for us. You know, at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think she was D3 Hoops Team of the Week that first week, NCAC Player of the Week in our first week of games and stuff with that win over Alma, win at Bluffton, um, and and Gina just took over and kind of went off in that first game. And so I think she really helped set the tone, but she's one that she sees things on the court and, you know, she'll be like, Coach, I like this. And I'm like, absolutely, let's do that, you know, and it's just so fun to have um, that type of leader out there. You know, she's one championship um in high school and you know she's just she's a winner coming in and, and that's what she wants to do and and that's again I think just so fun to have someone stepping on the court that um is ready and willing to kind of be that playmaker for us and have a little bit of that swagger for us that other people can look to and believe Allison Jefferson is she just brings a different pace to us I mean she is so explosive um offensively and defensively but you know that kid can get by pretty much anybody when she takes off. I mean, it's just, she's just really fun to watch. And again, kind of brings a, a, just a different aspect to our game and, you know, made some huge plays in our quarterfinal win on Tuesday, um, you know, getting to the basket and, and one and everything. And then Sammy's kind of just our rock. I think the heart and soul of our team in terms of one of those kids that, you know, as a senior, you just never, ever question that kid's harder effort and has really, I think, set the tone for us in that way. And, and really been such a selfless, player. I mean, as a kid that really probably after her sophomore year coming back would have thought like that kid will be our leading scorer. That's going to be like our go-to kid. And, um, you know, that, that hasn't happened from a statistical standpoint, but she is just does whatever we ask her to do. And I think is willing to play any role, you know, that is needed in terms of what's best for the team. Obviously, um, a lot of success quickly for you. you took over for Carrie Jenkins, uh, during the off season ahead of the 2019, 2020 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kerry probably knew he didn't have a ton coming back. You guys ended up nine and 17. So you kind of come in having to not rebuild the program, but certainly get it re back to where he had kind of brought it. It wasn't that long ago when it was 21 and eight, mm-hmm. but it, but what was, what was that transition? Like, first off, you came from Virginia Wesleyan out of the ODAC. Mm-hmm. And while you certainly played at Canyon and understood Ohio, you're at Oberlin. That's not the easiest institution. Um, to get into academically, certainly pretty high and has its rigors, but you've, you've also gotten had COVID within what six, eight months of you showing up that shut everything yeah. down, end up in, with a season you didn't really have. And now into this season, it, it's been a roller coaster. but what's it been like to try and recruit there, adjust to something different? How different is it from the ODAC, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a, a lot different. It was one of the things that drew me to Oberlin is that it is, it's such a great academic institution. And, you know, I think from a recruiting standpoint, you know, you can't walk in the gym and and look at anybody. Whereas, you know, it, you know, from an academic standpoint, like we have to be more selective. We have to find out what are their grades um, now, not what are their test scores because, because of COVID we've gone test optional a little bit, but um, so I was excited about that. I think when you look across the board at a lot of the really, really successful division three women's basketball programs, um, on a consistent basis, there are a lot of those high academic schools, you know, there are a lot of those teams that can draw people from all over. And so being able to come into Oberlin and have a national reach, I think was really something that, 
excited me to be able to, um, you know, kind of lock down our recruiting at, at some different places. We go to a lot of elite camps, um, Ivy League elite camps, you know, we're always looking at the academic showcases, but also when we go into a gym, we've already done kind of the background to see, you know, who's going to be a good fit for our school academically. And then Oberlin as just a community is just such an outstanding place. It's a very open, accepting community. I think it's really just a fun place to be a part of. We have great leadership in our administration here, um, top down from our president, President Ambar has been outstanding. And, you know, with Natalie Winklefoos, the AD. So, um, I found it actually, I don't want to say it's easy to recruit because, you know, recruiting is never easy, but, you know, we know our niche, we know our strengths. And, you know, if a kid's looking for a tremendous education and an Oberlin degree that is going to take them so far an alumni network and all of those things, it's, um, it's a really easy sell from a school standpoint. And it's just then getting them to buy in and believe that we can get this basketball program to a different level where we're hopefully competing nationally. Uh, Ohio Wesleyan is on the docket. You two split mm-hmm. both at home. Uh, so you got the win at home. They got the win at home. Yes. Uh, it's the semifinals obviously go on. And, and we, as we discussed, it's, it's winner go home. Right. What, how do you see this game playing out? What do you, what are you expecting? What are you trying to tell the team about what to expect? Yeah. I mean, I think Ohio Wesleyan's playing some tremendous basketball right now. Stacy has them um, just, I think hitting their peak at the right time. Um, they ran us out of the gym at their place and, and got out to a 30 to 15 lead after one quarter. So um, I think our kids will hopefully remember that and be, be a little bit more prepared and, and ready to roll. But, you know, I think it's going to be a battle. They're going to throw different things at us. They get in the passing lanes. They pressure a lot. They have, I mean, several tremendous players. Sierra Joyner, I think, has a chance to potentially be NCAC player of the year. Um, just has had a great, great year. And Casey Shipfer, Lauren Dennison. I mean, they're just, they're loaded. So it's going to be a battle. We've got to I think we've got to shoot better from the outside than we have been as of late. Um, I think we've got to be able to share the basketball to handle their pressure, to recognize, you know, the different things they're doing defensively and stuff. But, um, you know, it's, it's get out there. It's this game or nothing, you know? And so I, I, I hope that both teams bring it and I think it'll be a really exciting atmosphere. Uh, it certainly could be fun. Obviously the game most importantly is at your place where you guys are 13 and one that's got to feel good going in that you've got at least the home court advantage. Uh, well, I, I got to correct you because we're actually, it's at DePaul. Oh, that's right. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. No, no, no. Yep. I totally screwed that up. You're right. Of course. Yep. It's Friday, Saturday. It would make yep. sense. I just see the verses in my brain. just right, clicks. Right. It automatically <laughs> yeah. defaults to you're right. No, thank you. Yeah. So neutral site. So, you know, well, that, figure, oh, that adds a twist closer. to some yep. degree. Yep. Um, and, and the crowd, I mean, maybe they show up. I mean, that's how do you prepare for a game then? Let's flip that. How do you prepare for a game that's on a neutral site? I mean, I think it doesn't change our preparation in terms of what we're doing. We're getting in tonight. We'll have a shoot around in the morning. Um, You know, I think it's just focus on the details, focus on the little thing. I don't think where we're playing, you know, should come into play in in any, in any way. Yeah. I just didn't know if knowing you're going to be home, you've got certain advantages, knowing you're going to be on the road, you got to prepare for, you know, certain aspects of that gym or something being at a neutral site against a team that's also on a neutral game right just kind of the unknowns or is it not unknown it's just who cares throw up the ball yeah I think that's kind of how the mindset we're taking is just kind of go with it and um you know it's we we played a, a pretty decent game there like you said you know when we lost it a paw back in December it was a a tight game but it's you know it's a it's a cool facility it's a good gym and stuff so um just excited to to 
continue to be playing right now. And, and we should point out the reason we're talking to you early is because you've, you've got to drive to DePaul. This is why I should have known this information already. <laughs> yeah, uh, brain not working. Um, but I'm just double checking real quick the trip. It's a bit of a haul. Uh, yeah, and- it's about five. Hours. We're going to our hotel is about five hours, about five and 45, probably to to get all the way to DePaul. But so obviously you want to get in early um, and 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 not have any issues. How how it, does does the travel grind on a team by this point in the season or is it comfortable? Not comfortable. I mean, um, our kids- you're used to it. Yeah. I mean, we, this is our longest trip, you know, DePaul is kind of the outlier in terms of geographically in our conference. So by all means, you know, this is um, a lengthy trip for our kids. We're not used to these type of bus rides. Unlike the ODAC when I was at Virginia Wesleyan, like every trip was a long trip, you know, so we were really used to that. Um, But, you know, I think we're, we're actually, because of the way our academic um, calendar fell this year, this is the first week of our spring semester. Okay. um, We had winter term and everything was backed up this year a little bit. Um, So it's not like an overly stressful time yet from an academic standpoint. So I think that that's um, a little bit helpful to just be able to, those kids to be able to release a little bit of that stress that they might carry with them at other points in the season. So I think they're looking forward to the road trip, um, getting away a little bit. And again, you know, we're not going to get in crazy late. So hopefully they can get a good night's sleep at the hotel, all that good stuff. But, you know, this time of season, everybody's hurting in some way. Everybody's got nagging injuries, I think, and stuff. So, um, you know, we hope that we're just, get some adrenaline going and make it happen. But that makes sense. Hey coach, appreciate the time. I know you got a lot on your plate, so I appreciate you chatting with us as, uh, as we always have a tradition, we give the coach the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those maybe tuned in. Well, I think if you're not watching division three women's basketball, like get after it because it's an exciting brand of basketball. And I mean, from when I started in terms of it, like across the board, like there's just so many strong teams, so many great programs and these student athletes deserve the love, you know, no, Thank you so I, much for having me. Absolutely. I agree with you. By the way, say hello to Molly for us, if you don't mind. We'll do. We'll do. Hey, take care of yourself. Safe travels. Good luck in the uh, semis. All right. Thank you. She is Coach Dunmeyer from Oberlin. Once again, joining us on the Blue Flame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, Stephanie Dunmeyer from Oberlin. Team is 21-3 and three overall. As we mentioned, they are taking on Ohio Wesleyan, and they are playing at DePaul, thanks to my lack of memory there. Um, fascinating what Stephanie's been able to do there really been impressed. Um, you know, Kerry certainly had his, uh, success, but it was kind of here and there. Um, she's immediately made an impact with the 21 and three season. Congratulations to her. Take a break. When we come back, head all the way out to the West coast, Santa Cruz women's basketball coach, Todd Kent joins us to talk about my favorite mascots in the world, the banana slugs. You listen to Hoopsville back with more after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us, it's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us, it's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville as we continue to roll along. We'll, we'll wrap up the show with one more segment. So we're going to go over three hours tonight. Not as scheduled, but we slammed a lot into the show. Still got plenty to talk about. We'll quickly talk again about the news we had with Utica. Um, we'll talk about the jerseys while we're thanking Jersey Genius and some other things ahead of Sunday's show. Uh, and some other business. We'll also keep track of some of the scores we're watching from around Division Three in men's and women's basketball. But one more segment, we head out to the West Coast. UC Santa Cruz is in the Coast to Coast Conference. They're part of the reason it's now called the Coast to Coast Conference. And they are, well, they're hosting the women's basketball tournament. Uh, they're 15-3 and three this season, having a pretty bang-up season, though an also mixed bag because it's hard to read into understanding them, though they played Christopher Newport tight, 74-70. Last time they played them, back on the 12th on the East Coast. Might get a chance to play on the West Coast, and because of that tournament taking place as we speak, we spoke to Todd Kent earlier today. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach out in the West Coast at a beautiful location. It is Todd Kent. Sir, uh, it, it must be so difficult to wake up and go to work where you are. Yeah, you know, it was it was brutal this morning. It was low 40s and sunrise up over the ocean, and it was tough coming out of the Redwoods down onto campus this morning. Oh, I am so sorry for you. You and Pepperdine. I just, I feel horrible for everybody. I really do. Well, and I thought about doing this interview out on the bluff above the ocean, but I thought that'd just be a little too much. I've seen pictures. It would have been. Uh, I've been to Pepperdine. I don't know how anybody studies on that campus other than they turn the classrooms around so that no one can see uh the the ocean i figure uh you guys it's funny because it's deceiving uh kind of a little bit like like pepperdine you don't realize you're that close to the campus and then when you look at a map you're like wait they almost look south like it's a unique area and and listen redwoods are amazing on top of that yeah, my uh, my wife and I actually just moved up to Felton about four miles behind ca campus a couple years ago, bought a house up there right outside the Redwood Forest. So um, we'll do our Sunday morning family hikes through the Redwood Forest, the 3,000-year-old giants, which is always uh, calming, peaceful, and also uh, just a nice time to relax and reflect. It's a cool spot. I'm happy to say I've seen both the Redwoods and the Sequoias while I traveled for a year before college. And then just recently while I was out in Indian Wells, I went up I never get the name of the mountain right. Jacinta, I think it was. But I'm at like 8,500 feet, and there's these huge redwoods. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is insane. At 5,000 feet in, on the East Coast, we're above the tree line. <laughs> it's a beautiful place out there. Uh, yeah. Certainly semi-jealous, -je semi sir. Semi-jealous. Um, of course, you're one of the most Western schools in Division Three as well. Oh, by the way. Uh, yeah. And you guys are probably the reason we now have the Coast to Coast Conference, uh, thanks to Christopher Newport and yourselves being on polar opposites. It's got to be the strangest couple of years for you guys. Talk about a whirlwind, conference-wise, locations, teams you're playing, trying to play games, COVID, you name it. Uh, has the roller coaster been okay to ride? 
Yeah, you know, I think it's very similar to a lot of programs across the country during the COVID season last year. We weren't able to play. We were outside for a couple of weeks, social distance shooting, which, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and then, of course, joining the, the CDC conference and having our conference opponents clear across the country has been interesting as well. We flew out there two weeks ago and did a round robin with Mary Washington, Pratt, and Christopher Newport. And uh, it's very unique, uh, but we find ways to make it work. And, you know, we try to find ways to make that unique experience a positive one for our student athletes, and they seem to be enjoying it so far. I've, the one thing I'll have to admit, when I, when I looked at it, and saw the CDC come together, my first thought was, okay, this is just the ACAA somewhat on steroids. They won't really play. They won't really travel. That doesn't help you guys because you're you're located so on an island. You're, you're so much further south than the Northwest Conference. You're so much further north than the Skyac. You're, you're in this, or Mills is in the same situation, whatever Mills has become. <laughs> um, but you guys have committed to travel, and, and at least Christopher Newport's committed to going out to you guys at least early on we'll see how long this goes that's that's a significant cost involved too so there's got to be a commitment on this institution and, and athletic department not just for you guys but for all the teams to to make this somewhat work yeah you know i think you know i've been here 13 years and we were independent most of the time and we were kind of in the same scenario where we had to kind of travel to find games and uh, we've always had a pretty robust fundraising process um, through our women's basketball program since I've been here. We've been able to be able to find ways to raise some money to travel. University has stepped up and they actually you know, are doing what they need to do to make sure this is a good experience for our student athletes. And yeah, like, like you said, Bill and, and some of the other coaches have made the commitment to come out here next year. And we've gone out there. We'll go back out there again next year to Bill's place for a round robin. Um, so yeah, it's unique. It's expensive, but we find ways to do it through fundraising and through support from the university and um, but you know for us we've kind of been doing it since I've been here and the interesting thing since I've been here is we've been all over the country we've been to Boston North Carolina Chicago Milwaukee Dallas Washington Spokane Seattle LA Colorado we've been everywhere and St. Louis and we'll continue to do so um, um, now that we're going to Virginia next year as well uh, UC Santa Cruz certainly travels everywhere and quickly despite being the banana slugs. Sorry, had to get the joke <laughs> out of the way. Yeah, I was waiting for that reference. There it is. I had to get it out of the way. Uh, as anybody knows me, banana slugs are in the top five of my favorite mascots. So it's amazing we don't have you on the show more often. Actually, it's resisting. I resist the urge to turn this into the banana slug show. Uh, <laughs> love the new mascot, by the way. Love the new look. But I, I, I'm going to ask this genuinely, and it's listen. I'd love to have as many D3 schools as we can. Obviously, there, there is a point of too many, but you are so isolated. What are you surrounded by? And in and to follow that up, and genuinely asking, why wouldn't you go into that surrounding group? Yeah, you know, we. I think our closest Division three school is Cal Luthan. They're a six-hour bus ride south of us, about almost 400 miles. Um, yeah, so we're surrounded by a lot of Division II schools, uh, a lot of NAIA Division I schools, which I think there's just the Division I division of NAIA now. Yeah, right. Um, so that's kind of who we match up with. You know, we, over the last few years, we've kind of pieced together whoever will play us, um, and we'll travel a lot to do it. A lot of it's NAIA schools in the area. Uh, some really good programs, some programs that are not so good, and you can see that reflected in our schedule, some of our scores. Um, we'll play Division II schools if they'll play us. You know, we went to Chico State, a very good team, a couple years ago, and 
they were tied for first place at UC San Diego in that conference, and we ended up beating them at their place when this current group of players were freshmen. Um, so there are teams that will play us, and there are opportunities for us, but there's not a lot of D3 opportunities. And the only time we can really play D3 games this time of the year is if we can get round robin with people in our conference. And if we can get a bye weekend in the Skyac, and all those schools are really good, they'll, they'll pick us up on a Sunday or a Saturday when they have a bye weekend, and we'll drive down, do the seven hours down, seven hours back, and play. Um, so we've been able to figure it out. But yeah, we are very isolated. Um, to answer your second part of that question, why are we not looking to go a different direction? Uh, I think the D3 model really fits our university, and I think it's a commitment on our university is made, and they want to stay with it. I think academically we fit the model that most D3 schools fit in the cross country. The only exception being that we're a little bit bigger. We are a, a public institution, so we are much bigger than most D3s, but academically we're similar, and so it fits what we need for our student athletes here right now. Interesting. And I appreciate it again. Uh, huge fan. Uh, someday I'll get out there for for a game. Uh, we missed you guys in Vegas, but that kind of gets me to the fact that, and we lost all the women's schools, obviously, in Vegas. Um, but it gets me to the point that you guys will try and schedule the best you can. You do have a whole host of non-D3s at the start, no surprise. Listen, we give some schools a hard time about that when we feel like they can solve that equation. Either they've got some nearby or their other program has figured out a way to do it we realize why it's a challenge for you guys i'm curious how much do you try and go all d3 and how much is it just trying to fill games uh we fill everything d3 first so when we build the schedule we got a pretty good relationship with a lot of the nai schools in our area and we'll just flat tell them that you know the first thing we need to do is try to find as many d3 games as we can uh, this last year or this season, we actually lost uh, two D3 games at, at uh, Thanksgiving. We had a tournament picked uh, planned, but we lost the Midwest team late. Um, I guess it wasn't that late. It was in August. And so we lost those two. Yeah. <laughs> feels late. It feels late. feels late, yeah. So we lost those two games because uh, we had two Skyac teams coming up for it. And then, you know, we had um, COVID issues over the break when we lost the game with PLU. And then um, Pomona Pitcher was coming up here as well. So we had scheduled four more D3 games. Typically, we get anywhere from 15 to 19 D3 games every year, um, just depending on how much we're able to travel and how the calendar fits with the first opening weekend of games. I mean, this last year we went up to Washington. Uh, so we fill that first, and then once we get all that lined up and we maximize that as much as we can, and then we start filling in the gaps of the NAIA schools um, wherever we can. And, and you'll still get a chance. You guys have gotten opportunities to try and get in the NCAA tournament as an independent. Now you've got an actually an IQ that you can take a stab at. So to some degree, in your case, it's not about the schedule that matters because you know where your end result needs to be. You, you have to go win the AQ to get in. And so at least you know when you tip the ball up or when you start practices what the end goal is. Yeah, you know, we, we know that there's an avenue for us to get in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, we have to go through some really, really good basketball teams to do so. Um, but it really, it's interesting enough, it doesn't really change how I schedule. I really try to get as many D3 games as we can. Um, we want to try to, you know, approach it in a way that we cover all the bases. If we want to be able to be a pool C if possible and get enough games to do that, obviously, we got to win them to get there. Uh, we also have the avenue through the AQ. We want to prepare for the conference games as well. Um, so it didn't really change how we schedule, even though we're in a conference now. Uh, but it definitely does uh, get the interest of our student athletes where they know that if we lose a game in November, like we used to, we'd lose one or two games in November when we were independent by one or two points on the road. And there was really no chance for us to ever get regionally ranked. 
Um, and now that's not the case anymore. Those games are important, but they're not must-haves like they used to be. Fair. Um, only 18 games going into the conference tournament. Obviously, you talked about the fact you lost a bunch of games. Do, do you feel that hurts you guys in any way, or, or is 18 a, a good number? You know, obviously, we'd like to try to get our 25. Um, typically, most years, we're able to get 23 just because, again, because of the situation you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish we had more games. We had opportunities to play some. We went for almost a month without playing in January, yeah. which was pretty brutal. Uh, we got back on the court against Kalu, and it looked like we hadn't played in a month. Um, and Kalu played pretty well, too. Got, got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, so, yeah, it would have been nice to be able to pick up those games. It would have been nice to play PLU and Pomona Pitzer, and, as well as some of these NAI schools we had scheduled. Um, but it is what it is. And like we always try to do, we just adapt, overcome, and try to make the best of it. And our team kind of has that mantra in practice as well as in the program. And I think because of that, you know, I think we're okay. But, yeah, it would be nice to have a few more. There's there's a, about a nine day gap or nine day period where I, I was all over the place trying to figure you guys out because you got a huge win over Whitman seventy two sixty three at your place and then you welcomed the Tufts and they rolled you seventy five forty seven and I remember thinking to myself I'm like okay wait hold on like I <laughs> what am I looking at here tell me just a little bit of, of the dynamics there because it's not like Whitman's a bad team. So that was a huge win, but it was yeah, a little surprising result against Tufts. Yeah. You know, Whitman, uh, Michelle and I go way back. She's an exceptional coach. She just this, always has just these really good teams and they're always well-prepared and they had been on the road a lot prior to coming to our place. And uh, we actually have some matchups that kids that played against each other in high school from the two opposing teams. And so we had some, kind of individual matchups that we're super interested to see and the kids were excited to play and we played good basketball. I mean, we had everybody we needed to play that game and then we went on Christmas break, came back and Tufts was coming to town and uh, we had some COVID issues and we got on the court. Tufts was by far the better team that day. Uh, they played well. Jill does a great job. Um, I won't take anything away from them. That was a great basketball team. Uh, and it was just one of those things with everybody across the country is dealing with. Everybody's had that moment in their season where you've had the issues with COVID and we went into that game with um, no point guards and I was, we had four players play who's been averaging just about under a minute that I was really proud of. They stepped up and they played and they put it together. And, you know, if you look at the game, it was back and forth the first half. And then we went down four at half. They hit a buzzer beater at the end for three. And it kind of went the way I kind of thought it would go. And you're playing a really good, well-coached team you can't match their intensity coming out of the second half. Um, they were by far better, way better than we were in the second half. They went on a 12-0 run. And then I think another followed up by another little 10-0 run to put, a, put them up by 20, and we just could never catch back up. But uh, I was proud of the team that game, though. I mean, Kaylee Murphy, one of our forwards, played point guard for us. Um, and then one of our shooting guards played point guard a little bit for us as well. So kind of played outside the normal comfort. But... You know, some of the kids on that team we know well, too. They're from the Bay Area, so we knew what we were getting ourselves into. And quite honestly, we play Tufts again. Um, I don't think the same result's going to come out that way, but I don't think that, you know, they're really, really good. We have to play well to play with them. We have to play really well to beat them. So, um, yeah, I, I won't take anything away from them. They're a very good basketball team. Oh, sure. No, I it, you know, I think it's just more the spread that I think was – was more surprising to most than than anything else. Uh, not not anything else. I think had you guys lost, and it was a five point game. I don't think anybody would have been surprised by that. Certainly in any way. I think it was just the spread. But again, yeah. you're right. COVID issues, um, and we saw that. Uh, heck, we didn't have your men's team out at at the classic 
uh, in Vegas for similar reasons. Everybody was dealing with it. We went from 19 teams to nine. I get it. By the way, not complaining. It was a little bit more manageable schedule. Yeah. Um, obviously, again, a lot of travel, maybe a little weary, but you got everything at home, which is interesting because Christopher Newport will be hosting everything on the men's side. We're literally using the coast-to-coast name to the, to the nth degree here. <laughs> How important, though, is it that it's home, that you've got a team like Christopher Newport who's going to come all the way out west to play, and you're going to have Mary Washington and the rest come all the way to you guys and play those games. And to some degree, you get to sit back along with Christopher Newport and watch the first set of games yourselves. Tonight, by the way, we should point out, we're pre-recording this because you're going to be involved with those, watching those games. Yeah, you know, anytime you can play at home, you know, sleep in your own bed, eat in the dining halls, go to class, have some normalcy in your in your process of game planning. I think it's a good thing for your student athletes, so it definitely is an advantage to us. Um, playing at home, you know, we've got a beautiful facility downtown that we play in that the uh, G League Warriors, the Golden State Warriors G League team built that we share with them and we play downtown. And so those games tomorrow and on Friday, Saturday will be down there. Today's games are on our West Gym here on the campus, the first rounder here. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to be home. I know we've been road warriors the last month and so I think the kids are really excited to be able to, you know, like I said, be in their own routine that they have every day. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we have to play a really good Salisbury team on Friday. Um, and that's all we're focused on right now. We know they're really, really talented and very well coached. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Um, so that's kind of where we are mentally right now is just focused on them. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to host everybody and bring everybody out to the West Coast. I'm trying to wrap my mind around multiple places to play. I, I mean – you go to the facility page, just for the record, and you've got the uh, Kaiser Permanente Arena, uh, which is available for everything. Then you have the West Field House and the East Field House. Um, obviously, the East Field House, a little bit more of the of an older complex. But what's it like to have that many options? I mean, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, you, you literally can get a practice in no matter what's going on to some degree, even though I realize shooting lines and all that are different. Yeah, so just the West Gym is kind of our practice facility. That's where we do all of our uh, practice. We'll play a few games here every year. We, I think this season we played four home games in here. Um, the East facility is is not a gym that we use for any for the varsity sports at all. It's kind of a recreational facility. Gotcha. Um, and then KP Arena, you know, we actually don't practice down there. Uh, we just play some games here and there. Um, this year we played, like I said, I think we played four games up here at the at the West Gym. The rest were at KP. Next year, right now, it looks like we have most of our games at KP. Um, so, yeah, it's a cool thing. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Teams come out to play in our tournaments every year, and their kids are always at half court taking pictures of them on the Warriors logo. And, uh, you know, at one time we played this year up there, and just before our game, Clay was on rehab. He's out there shooting. Um, we, you know, we try to – we're not allowed to have people in there when the NBA teams are actually in there working out sure. or doing rehab. Um, but I know some of my players were stalking him around the backside, trying to get a picture where they actually had a chance to meet him. It was pretty funny. Um, and yeah, we should point out again, that's the home of the G League team for the yeah. Warriors. And obviously see the logos on there. Uh, I have done a couple of double takes tuning into a game, trying to figure <laughs> out, wait, are they on the I thought they were on, at home today. Oh, right. They're just in a different it's, it can, yeah. it's I'm not used to it. There are very few schools that have that option at Division three. Uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. We, we make it into an advantage. We definitely do. We, we sure. definitely make it into a positive. Hey, before I let you go, I want to talk individually about the team. Uh, Ashley Kowak leading the team, 18.3 points a game, four and a half rebounds a game. Uh, double-double from Kaylee Murphy. 
14.7 points a game, 13 rebounds per contest. Boston also, by the way, number one in assists on the team, uh, number two in steals, and number one on in blocks. Uh, Amanda and Sarah also in double figures. I'm sorry. Yes, no, double figures, 11.3 points a game. And we call it double figures when they're close, 9.4 points for Tess Oakley-Stilson. So you got a lot of firepower, but obviously it starts with Kowak, and, and Murphy ain't too bad uh, a second fiddle there either. Yeah, you know, we – I think our team takes a lot of pride in sharing the basketball and we have a pretty good point guard. Aubrey Wagner does a really nice job of getting us into our offense. But yeah, Kaylee, we actually call her George. Um, that's her nickname for freshman year. She's asked a lot of questions. She's going to hate me for telling the story, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, one of her teammates, she kept asking a lot of questions. So one of her teammates nicknamed her Curious George. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, she uh, she's kind of the catalyst that we run a lot of stuff through her and it's no, no secret. Everybody knows that. Um, she's a six foot forward that also play can defend one through five because she's crazy athletic and quick. And so she can get out and defend a point guard and she can bring the ball up to court. Uh, but she does a little bit of everything for us. And, you know, the team really does a nice job sharing the basketball. And um, Mandy and Sarah has just been shooting the lights. I think she's 43% from the three point line, the top 10 in the country from three point shooting percentage. And um, yeah, we got a lot of weapons. Uh, any given night, you can have someone score 25 30, which happened three days in a row one night mandy scored 30 the next night Tess scored 30. um you just never know what you're going to get but a lot of that starts with our point guard play with aubrey and then also the way uh, george is able to share the ball from the post position too um interesting tidbit here that we got from from your sid that i find fascinating we, we know a lot of teams sometimes will lose players due to academics and it, you know they can't live up to the ncaa or the school's gpa you're the opposite and this goes back to your division three point you guys have lost them because they're just that darn smart, and they're able to graduate the, the institution quickly. What's that like? Because instead of recruiting and knowing you're going to have a player for four years, you might only have them for three. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. If you look at our roster now, Kaylee and Ashley are really the only two that had significant minutes coming into the season. Everybody else were Mandy and Aubrey, both their freshman year, uh, had been injured, so didn't play their freshman years. And then Tess was a transfer in from a, a community college down in L.A., and we lost. We lost three, uh, two starters. One is in grad school at UC Berkeley, and the other one, that's uh, Maddie Brower, and then Emily Mitchell's at grad school in Penn. And they both started for us, and we had them penciled in as starters for us coming into this season. And then we knew that they're going to graduate early, and they had that kind of choice. What am I going to do? I'm going to stay, take classes, and continue playing. But they both made a really good decision. They both decided to go on to grad school. Um, so losing those two starters and filling the gaps with kind of who we were able to put in there, and they've done a phenomenal job adjusting with Mandy and, and Aubrey and Tess. Um, but yeah, it's a unique scenario where on the team right now, I've got one of our players who tore ACL the third practice of the year, um, Lily. She's actually trying to decide too whether she's going to graduate and go on to grad school. She's a PhD, wants to be a PhD candidate in cellular molecular biology. I can't even say it. So. I mean, yeah, I'm the least intelligent person in the room when I coach my team, which. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of coaches I know. And that's yeah, not a knock so. on the coaches. That's, that's, I think so. that's a tribute but, to the student athletes. Yeah, so it's a it's a really cool position to be in. And I'm I'm always really proud of the team and, and how well they do academically. And the, and the, the rigor of their, their majors is incredible. You know, Kaylee Murphy is going to go on to medical school. And so she's literally going to come back and do another year next year. And so she'll take just a couple classes in the fall so she can play another year. Um, and then Ashley Kowak is a double major in mathematics and business administration. Mm. Like they're not taking easy, as is almost all of Division three athletes who are taking difficult majors. So, um, yeah, it's a cool thing, though. 
No, pretty amazing, to say the least. Uh, I could talk to you forever. Really appreciate you letting me go all over the map, literally, with you. Uh, I do appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Uh, I've resisted calling you Jeff Kent, as anybody knows. Well, uh, I somehow had you as the same name as a Major League Baseball player, and I know that's somewhat insulting to you as a Mariners fan, sir. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a Mariner fan living in the Bay Area, which is hard enough, and also a Seahawk fan living in the Bay Area, which is even more challenging. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny. I, I think I've like I said to you a little bit ago. I, I've actually been asked since I moved here if I'm related to him in some way. Uh, not the case. <laughs> uh, Kent's a, a somewhat common name. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a leap, a leap of faith. Though you should just start messing with people and just say, <laughs> yeah, 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 we go way back, yeah. and then just leave it. Don't have any other details. Just leave them hanging. <laughs> just walk away. Just walk away. away. Yeah, we go way back. He and I are great friends. See ya. Oh, yeah, best friends, yeah. Hey, I uh, appreciate it, Todd. Really do. Uh, we always give the guests the final word, though. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, you know, I got a little inside information uh, before the show that uh, somebody's birthday was yesterday. Um, that person's name is Dave. <laughs> Dave, I want to wish you a happy birthday, and thank you for all that you do for D3 Sports. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, the candles didn't uh, completely melt off the side of the cake. I don't know how many there were. Uh, but anyway, happy birthday, oh, and thanks a lot for everything that you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Maybe I am going to call you Jeff from now on. <laughs> uh, I was trying to keep that on the DL, but apparently you snuck it out. But I appreciate that. Hey, thanks. Good luck. Enjoy the tournament this weekend. Maybe we'll see you dancing. Uh, Banana Doug's slugs dancing in the tournament. That could be a fun little ring to it. Good luck, though. Uh, enjoy it all the same. We'll look forward to catching you down the road. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. See you later. He is Todd Kent, head coach at UC Santa Cruz. Well, thank Coach for coming on the show uh, and for letting the cat out of the bag. Yep, yesterday was my birthday. Appreciate him mentioning that. Seemed to get past some some people. Though, I'll take this moment to thank all the coaches who did reach out to me. I actually heard from quite a few, um, more privately than publicly, who wished me a happy birthday. It meant a lot to me. Thank you very much. Some of them send, said some very kind words, um, which I appreciated as well. also want to thank some who went beyond that. Said some very nice words. Uh, Ray Martell, you know who you are, sir. Uh, I want to thank everybody for their kind words on my birthday. It was a nice day. I took the day off, believe it or not. Not entirely. I, I did some work. Uh, I had to get some uh, emails out about guests on this show. Um, but I actually uh, did not broadcast a game. I, I went and did some stuff with the family, enjoyed some time, because it is going to be busy, busy, busy between now and, uh, well, whenever we end. So uh, thanks, Coach. Appreciate that. And thank to all the other coaches out there who said some nice things and reached out to me and all that. Really appreciate it. We'll take a break. When we come back, we wrap up the show. You listen to Hoops Hole, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Of course, the NABC, a partner of Hoopsville. I want to thank them for their support. The National Association of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and the coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division Three coaches who impact our game, for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, head to nabc.com. We wrap things up when we come back after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. 
This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville as we wrap up tonight's supersized edition of the show. A little preview of length, at least, of our Sunday show coming up. We will be on the air Sunday. Again, haven't figured out the exact time. Traditionally, we've started about 6. We may start earlier at 5. We're going to do the women's mock selections first, followed by the men's. That's at least the plan. We're going to twist this studio around a little bit. Or not twist it, but maybe open up the camera angles, get some more... uh, jerseys hung up. We've gotten the two behind us uh, on the door, Oshkosh and, and the uh, y, uh, We Are D3 jersey with Ryan Terrell there. Um, we have others. We just haven't been able to get them hung up. I've gotten a couple more put on hangers that we received from Transylvania, um, Barry, and I forgot who the other one was. Oh, St. John Fisher. I got a, a two surprise ones. One's a well, no, we're just going to leave it at that. Two surprise ones arrived in the mail. I'm heard there's another one that might be making it before the weekend. All those, we're going to try and get as many as we can hung up here and change the angle, open up the angle, and basically have a different angle in the show. So we're going to have one that just shows the studio wide while we're doing general work, but when we're doing interviews, we'll have a tighter shot. Um, so you can see it all. And we want to thank our new partners at Jersey Genius. It's part of Chalk Talk Sports. Uh, for coming on board, they have uh, given us a few more hangers to hang those up with. They've Some of them arrived in the mail. We'll get some new ones soon. Uh, we're going to be talking plenty more about them on how you can kind of get those uh, hanging things for your jersey so you don't have to use big old frames that cost a lot of money. Um, we're going to work on that ahead of Sunday's show, but I want to thank Jersey Genius for coming on board. Again, part of Chalk Talk Sports. Um and those are the systems you see of these jerseys we have hung up. Not the framed ones, but the ones on the door, and you're going to see them elsewhere. Again, we're going to try and put them on this wall here. We're going to try and open up a camera angle, change the camera basically to another one, uh, get some more jerseys hung up, even if we have to just show you, maybe get another couple camera angles up and start switching camera shots. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. It's going to be fun. I, I have confidence that this is going to work. Maybe too much confidence. Uh, but looking forward to maybe pulling that off. 
So again, big thank you to Jersey Genius. They're coming on board with us again from Chalk Talk Sports. We'll talk more about them down the road. You might remember Sports Sense. Uh, we worked with them a couple of seasons ago. Uh, they're going to come on board for this weekend. You're going to hear more about them this weekend as well. They're uh, located in Southern Ohio. Um, and we may have others. If you're interested on in getting on board on two of the biggest programs we have of the year, want to advertise, you want to sponsor, you want to do something like Jersey Genius, Sports Sense, Blue Frame Technology, etc., give us a call, contact us. We'll find a way to make it work. We would be happy to have you. Uh, and look forward to having more and more partners, which helps secure the future of this show beyond this season. Um, believe it or not, we do have big plans, but we don't have always the financing to pull them off. And so maybe you all can come on board, and we'll look forward to having you. Uh, so that's that's what we're working on for Sunday. And again, we're hoping to hit the air uh, 6 o'clock, maybe 5 o'clock Eastern time. And we'll go into the evening doing mock selections and answering your questions, hearing from the committee chairs. We'll hear from other guests as well as we do those selections. Then again, a reminder, 1230 Eastern on Monday, the men's bracket will be uh, announced on NCA.com and D3Hoops.com. Then 2.30 p.m. Eastern time will be the women's bracket, followed by our bracket breakdown special at 7 o'clock. So that's all ahead here from the Hoopsville Studios. Um Looking forward to it. Uh, quick check on scores in men's basketball. Uh, top 25 did okay tonight. Randolph-Macon won. Marietta won. Oshkosh won. Platteville won. Mary Hart and Baylor had a battle with Concordia, Texas. They have all season had those battles, but they advanced in the ASC tournament 87-82. Mount Union snuck past Heidelberg 68-65. Heidelberg season, unfortunately, probably has come to a close, I think. They're 18-7, and 12-5 overall. Maybe they get in as an at-large. I'm, I'm not really saying that from an educated point of because I haven't dove in they're fifth in the region I got a I got a I don't know maybe hope or Calvin moves ahead of them we'll see Heidelberg maybe still has some some hopes but we'll see but their season so far has come to a close WPI continues to win Yeshiva got a win over Mount St. Vincent and Yeshiva will host the conference tournament game because Farmingdale State lost so that's a huge deal for Yeshiva this weekend hosting the conference championship, is they have to punch their ticket in by winning the AQ. Can't, cannot get in that large bid. They are way, their numbers just do not work. Um, Mass Dartmouth won again tonight. Stockton beat Montclair. And other scores around the region, or around the division, Roanoke defeated Washington and Lee, so their season stays alive in the ODAC tournament. Um, Guilford got past Hamden and Sydney. Hamden and Sydney's season's over, though. Hats off to them. Unfortunately, it didn't finish the way they wanted. They were 14 and 11, started really strong. Odak really beat them up, um, couldn't get any traction going, had two two game winning streaks, but that was about it. But hats off to Caleb Kimbrough. I think he's got a good thing going there, and I would not be surprised if, if we start hearing more about Hampton Sydney in uh, in the years ahead. Um, where else was I? Here we go. Uh, Texas Dallas got past ETBU. As we mentioned, Manhattanville beat Farmingdale State. Um, Emerson beat Babson in overtime. So Babson's season on the men's side has come to a close. They ended up finishing the season 18-8, and 11-2 in conference play. Again, not expecting them to get a at-large bid, really. Uh, they weren't even regionally ranked. So most likely not going to hear anything more from Babson this season. Um Nichols snuck past Suffolk to keep their hopes alive. 
There's obviously other results. You can go to d3hoops.com and click on the scores section. Wash U defeated Chicago in what will be a back-to-back series with those two teams, 71-66. So for Wash U, it ends a four-game slide in the conference. They had also lost six of eight games uh, starting back on January 28th, they lost to Carnegie Mellon and Case Western, then beat Case Western and Carnegie, then lost to Emory, Rochester, NYU, and Brandeis. They beat Chicago today. They will play Chicago on Saturday, hoping to keep their season alive. For Chicago, they obviously have one more game left in a season where they're 10-14 and 14 currently. Um, let's see, what else? Anything else jumping out here? Keene State handled Eastern Connecticut rather easily. Virginia Wesleyan over Lynchburg. That's a, uh, I guess Virginia Wesleyan was considered the top dog in that game. Lynchburg was 14 and 12 in the season. Virginia Wesleyan now 17 and 9 in third place in the conference. So that's a good win for the Marlins. Uh, that's pretty much uh, some other games, obviously, there. But uh, go to the d3hoops.com for that. Uh, in women's side of things, uh, Simpson easily rolled past Luther. Uh, Whitman will be tipping off, has tipped off. John Carroll uh, beat Ohio Northern. Baldwin Wallace over Mount Union in women's basketball. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor defeated Bellhaven. Wartburg defeated Loris. ETBU over Concordia, Texas. Harden Simmons over Saul Ross. So none of the top 25s took any beats, beatdowns at least. Uh, Whitman, though, still obviously just getting underway. And in other scores, uh, just checking around, Mary, Mary Washington defeated Finlandia. So they move on to the into the uh, C2C semifinals, right? Yeah, semifinals. Uh, Mass Dartmouth defeated Eastern Connecticut. That's a bit of an upset. Uh, as we mentioned, it was chaos in the uh, NJAC as TCNJ beat William Patterson. So it'll be uh, NJCU versus TCNJ. And NJCU is a six seed. will be hosting that on the women's side. Absolutely bonkers. Uh, and there's other scores. You can go check them out. Salisbury defeated Pratt, by the way, in that C to C as well. So, um we got the conference tracker on d3hoops.com. we got scores on d3hoops.com. So much information. If you want to chat about all this, you obviously have Twitter, but you can also go to d3boards.com. Plenty of ways to talk about things there. We're working hard behind the scenes. You know, Check out the information that we have there. I'm sure we'll have something that, that interests you uh, along the way. And uh, we'll keep you up you know, as formed as we can all the way to the end of the weekend and into Monday where we got the conference. Obviously, the uh, championships will be announced. Not the championships. The uh, brackets will be announced. Um, yeah, there you go. I mean, <laughs> there's so much going on. It's that time of year, and it is absolutely bonkers. And we will you know, follow t- us on Twitter. Of course, you can follow the main account at D3Hoops. Follow us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag D3Hoops. Use the hashtag D3 or use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can email Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. We did get an email from our friend uh, Ronk earlier in the show. Unfortunately, Ronk, we were talking to uh, uh, Oberlin on a pre-tape, so we couldn't talk about that um, segment, but appreciate the email nonetheless. Um, yeah. There you go, folks. There's lots of... I actually just replied to somebody uh, who messaged us on Instagram, which we don't use all that often, during one of those segments to talk about uh, NAIA schools coming to Division Three. Obviously, Asbury announced a couple of years ago. Lion has announced recently. Um, oh, and quickly, speaking of which, uh, again, we reported this uh, before the show began. It's something we know is being discussed. Utica is looking to go to Division II. Um we, we have no indication that that ha- decision has been made, no indication that the application is in. We don't know the timeline necessarily. 
We know schools that at this point announce they're going to Division II, but they don't put the application in for 11 more months because they no point in doing so. Um, it, it, it sounds like it's being driven by football and ice hockey. Ice hockey would move to Division One. The AH, was it AHC conference, the Division One conference is hosting its championships in Utica. From what I'm told, that is a test run of sorts of, of seeing if Utica would fit well in that conference with ice hockey. In other words, is there interest? There is a minor league hockey team that the, in Utica. There's certainly ice hockey interest. Um, devils are crazy. Uh, New Jersey Devils were there in Utica a long time ago as the Utica Devils. Then they moved to Albany. That didn't work out. Then they moved to Binghamton. It seemed to work decently, though they still moved back to Utica. Anyway, uh, that's another topic. Um, D2, I don't doesn't make any sense to me. But the now Utica University apparently is looking into it. So we'll see how it all plays out. I'm not telling you they're moving right now. We just know it's being decided on. And as I said at the beginning of the show, it's even in, in the minutes on national committee calls. Uh, the Ice Hockey Men's ba- uh, Committee was talking about the fact that the 2026 tournament, which is supposed to be in Utica, they don't know if it will be at Utica because Utica might be D2. Now, in my opinion, that doesn't matter. We, we played the men's and women's soccer championships at a D1 complex for the last few years, but it may, it may matter to, to hockey. So there you go. That was our news at the top of the show, and that is going to wrap up our show for tonight. Appreciate everybody tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it, whether it's live or on demand. I want to thank our guests, Chad Dickman from Hood, Sean Coffey from Utica, Pat McKenzie from St. John's, J.C. Brooks from Cortland, Christine Van Hook from Penn State Barron, Stephanie Dunmire from Oberlin, and Todd Kent from UC Santa Cruz. I want to thank their SIDs as well. I am not going to get all the names right, so I am not going to continue the bad stretch on tonight's show of getting names wrong. But I want to thank all of you for your assistance on that. I mean, there's, you know, yeah, I could I could name you all of them right now, but I'm I'm going to screw up one of them, so I'm just going to be. Oh, they're they're friends of mine. I should try. So Jeff at uh at Hood, thank you for your help. Adam at Utica, I want to thank Ryan at St. John's. Fran, good friend of the show at Cortland. Uh, Jill for her hard work at Penn State Barron. Uh, Mike at Oberlin, really appreciate your help. And the the one that I was going to screw up because I never seem to be able to say it right, and I don't think I could say it right, is that UC Santa Cruz. Great gentleman who's helped us uh, in many ways. Mbelli, I think I'm saying it right, or Mbelli, whatever it is. Thank you for your help, sir. Much appreciated. All the SIDs out there who've done um, incredible work all the time. And uh, appreciate everybody for their support. By the way, speaking of SIDs, uh, tip of the hat to Justin Sweeney, who has apparently left Transylvania, friend of ours. Uh, I think he's left the business, from what I've been told. Uh, kind of did it quietly. We found out the hard way. But uh, hats off to you, sir, on what you did at Transylvania. I know you were appreciated for the efforts you made. Um, oh, I just see a... Uh, oh, there we go. Um, and more coaches reaching out. Really appreciate everybody who uh, who said some kind words to us in the last uh, few days. That'll sign off. We'll be back Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Find out what time we're hitting the air Sunday. With our mock selections, we'll get our panels together. We'll get them. We'll do the whole process like we are national committees and do our best. We have a tremendous batting average when we do this. We only miss, at worst, a couple of the picks. Now, some of them, it's because it's easy. But at the end, it gets really hard. And some years, we hit it out of the park. So we'll look forward to seeing how that all works out. And that's Sunday. As early as 5 o'clock, maybe 6 o'clock start time, we'll do women and then men. We'll even have interviews. We'll talk to committee chairs. All of it here on the show. 
want to thank our partners at National Association of Basketball Coaches, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and most especially Blue Frame Technology and their Team One Sports app. They have done an amazing job helping us out um, with our show and, and with everything we need from them. Uh, we really appreciate it. That's how you can watch it on the big screen through their Team One Sports app. You can watch us on Amazon TV, uh, Android TV, Apple TV, and Roku. Uh, it's a lot of fun, even if it, I do have a face for radio. And uh, Sunday show should be really fun on the big screen. And that's all thanks to Blue Frame Technology and their Team One Sports and production truck software. If you have any questions about that stuff, you can certainly contact us, but you can contact Blue Frame Technology and tell them I sent you. Please be sure to mention that so they understand you heard about it on the show. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I want to also thank our partners at D3Hoops.com. Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott, um, and Gordon Mann working hard behind the scenes. We've even pulled in a few extra helpers like Ira Thor to, to assist this week. And um, uh, Yeoman's work by all of them. I, I've gotten some nice words in the last few days, which I really appreciate it. But those, those men are doing some really heavy lifting. Uh, and it's always fun to watch them get that work done. And uh, I hope you appreciate it as much as... Uh, as, as, as I have for what they do behind the scenes. That will sign off until Sunday. You've been watching Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Broadcasting from the NABC studios out of Baltimore, Maryland. We'll be back on Sunday night. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Enjoy the games. This is the best week of the year. And we'll see you and talk all about it on Sunday. Good night.